getting you ready for week 11 in the NFL season. We have the full crew here today. A uh, little bit different backgrounds than uh, than normal. It's We're recording a little bit earlier today to make sure we can, you know, get the whole pod, the whole group together when we can. We always try to make an emphasis to do that. Vito joining us from, from work. He's yeah. working. Just figured I'd stick around the office and, and get this thing done. Uh, it's a good setup. I'm here all the time anyway, so why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Uh, and Scotty working from home. And so he's got his setup and we are we are ready to roll. Boys are, are rolling here. Uh, really fun weekend coming up here in the uh, NFL world. We got great bookends. Thursday night and Monday night football are your your headlines. Uh, as many of you guys are listening to this now, you'll know what happens on that Thursday night Bengals Ravens game, which is a massive game. Uh, I believe like the Bengals chance of making the playoffs if they lose this game drops to like 10% um, because of their remaining schedule and everything moving forward. So a lot on the line as we are starting to hit the beginning of nut crunching time. This, this is like the, would you call this the witching hour of the season? Cause it kind of feels like from like week 11 to week 13 is where you're really going to kind of solidify where you know, teams that look like they're in control and in a good spot, maybe drop a couple games and fall back. And teams that maybe you think are out of it, pull off a couple of wins and, and jump ahead up into the standings and find their their way into the postseason. Yeah, this is like that first sieve, right? Like the first filter almost of like at the end of these couple of weeks, teams are going to be mathematically out. There's going to be a, a next group of teams that are like, yeah, we'll see. And then, and then to your point, there's going to be one team that we're all like, oh, they're a shoe in that just fall apart happens every year yeah. so like it's on every level there's going to be a surprising team and the teams that are killing it the teams that are okay and five and five right now and then the teams that are like you know like the broncos are four and five i'm back on playoffs like we're we're pushing for it i saw i saw hey, hey. number 12 on the whole list of like see like extra we're like oh they're in 12th place in the afc and i'm like we're game back so uh we'll see what happens yeah, um, and you think about a team like the the Bills that you're playing in a couple of weeks that, hey, they could go on a three or four game heater here and all of a sudden we got a, a brand new AFC picture, right? Yeah. Uh, and I was doing, I told you guys, the one of my favorite things every year is when ESPN brings out the, uh, the playoff predictor machine for the NFL and you start picking how each game is going to go and then you, you'll wind up at, with the with the prediction by the end of the season of, of who the seating is. I was going through every one of those games from this week, week 11 to week 18. And the amount of, of teams that changed hands, which granted, of course, because there's eight weeks left is, or nine weeks left is ridiculous. But like at the same time, like the margin for error right now is so thin that like, this is, this is the time where you have to make a push. If you're a Buffalo or a Denver or uh, or uh, a Tampa Bay or, or, or New Orleans who are playing this week um, or Atlanta and the time where the teams at the top, like the Eagles, like the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Eagles and Chiefs playing each other this week have to solidify that spot for everyone to be like, okay, well, yes, here we we knew they were a cut above and now we know for sure that going into the stretch run, um, this is this is who they are. Um, 
And similarly for teams like like the Broncos, who are one game under 500, um, those teams at four and five, the NFC South is wide open. The AFC South is wide open. Uh, which Who's going to emerge from there? Are the Texans for real? Uh, stuff like that. So that's that's all part and parcel, I think, of, of why I agree with you, Jeff. I think this is the witching hour because this is when everything starts to solidify and shift on its this, head if, if that's this, the trend for the season. This is the one o'clock witching hour where all the games are in it. And then there's still the 405 witching hour. We'll get we'll get to the four o'clock window later in the season where there's a lot less teams involved already. But to your point, right. everyone's involved still at this point. We got eight games. <laughs> one yeah. thing I do want to mention before we get rolling too, um, just look out for for you guys. Uh, I went last night, drove down to Canton last night. There was a film debuting called Triangle Park. It's the place in Dayton where the first NFL game was played. Uh, Michelle Tafoya narrated it. They had Collinsworth. They had um, Al Michaels, I think was on it. It's Sean McVay. A lot of guys from Ohio. Uh, weird movie. Not really a representation, like not a replay of what happened, but the impact, the families, the dynasties, how a, a lot of cool stories from a lot of like historic NFL players kind of all over. Uh, I think it's coming to prime in, in like a huh. month or so, but it was like a, you know, independent filmmaker guy who drove down there, checked it out. But for all of us who like love football, it's just flashing from interview to interview and cool stats and cool stuff about like the twenties football and how it affected the game now. And um, as a historian of football, I loved it. Uh, yeah. You guys will appreciate this moment. So we're there last night and afterwards the director's up there and he's talking to people. One of the guys, some of the NFL hall of fame guys were there like who worked there. And uh, one of them was just like, well, you know, it's hard because like he's like, I mean, who remembers who lost the Super Bowl like three years ago? And I was like, instantly we just butted out like Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> and everyone started laughing and then looked around. And I was like, I, was, I, I thought we thought that was a real question. And yeah, I knew so it. that like, was I an inside know. thought. Uh... <laughs> and then afterwards, went up and talked to the guys. And it was so funny. I asked that there was the head archive guy from the Hall of Fame. I was like, what's your favorite archive oh, thing dream in, job. The, in the Hall of Fame? Right. <laughs> and uh, and he said. He's like, we just got all these documents from the administrative side in the 20s. And it's so interesting. I'm like, that's not the answer I wanted. But uh, definitely trying to to meet him and like got his name. And and I handed him my card, even though it has nothing to do with what he does. It was like, I just love what you do. And if you ever need anything, <laughs> let me know. If but, there's anything I can ever do. <laughs> but anyway, well, check out for that movie. It's going to be coming out in a few months. Had to at least let, the, let everyone Hell know. Yeah. Uh, checked it out. Nice. It was great. That's really cool. And you said it's going to be on Amazon? I believe so. Hell so yeah. I'll let... I'll let everyone know when it's back out sometime in the next couple months. Is it a documentary? It kind of like, it was like a, they they were like, Oh, we did reenaction shots, but they weren't, they're like slow-mo and not really good. It was mm. good footage. Like the film yeah. was beautiful, but it wasn't like a game. So more interviews, more about the game. To your point, it's a yeah. documentary. So it sounds more, more like, a doc, like a doc. It's kind of like the, um, the uh, art di- or the, uh, Oh, Al Davis one where they like had the actor like playing him throughout the whole thing. Kind of, kind of even yeah. this was it's just a little it, it'll be worth seeing it's not worth like you know canceling plans over but yeah on that one of those days you're like, yeah. yeah i need something to do right a little rainy mm-hmm. day stash that's good that's good um beautiful that's awesome uh but all right so before we get into the games though a couple of news and notes we need to hit uh we'll start off monday night we did not get a chance to talk about the monday night game but veto I know we said it there just a little bit as we we're talking about the witching hour stuff, but the Broncos are alive and the Bills seem to very much not be. Um, what an unbelievably bad 
ending to that game, uh, which ultimately resulted in Ken Dorsey getting fired, which yeah, I don't know about you. Out. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't think the offensive coordinator has a lot to do with having 12 men on the field. Well, um, yeah. Imagine on the last if, play of the game. If, imagine if that went off without a hitch. Denver misses that kick and the Bills pull out a, a two point win. Yeah. Ken Dorsey. Are they going to fire him then? No. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? No, <laughs> and and we look, we say it all the time, like we don't root for anyone to get fired. But I did say preseason, like this, like Sean McDermott, like they need to prove something here. Like if it's not this year, if they have a disappointing season, you know, even if they win the division or whatever and they came up short, like I still think it was a possibility he could get fired. He took over the defense. The defense has slowly come along, but yeah. Brandon Bean, who everyone has revered as a great GM for the Josh Allen pick, he has missed on every single draft pick since. I mean, he's had all of these first ra- first rounders. They've traded up. They've gone after a lot of these defensive linemen. Like, Epinesa's pretty good. Um, Ed Oliver, when he stays on the field, is a solid player. But they've really kind of missed on a lot of these high-end, you know, upside guys that they've drafted uh, over the last four or five years since the draft the the Josh Allen pick itself and it just really hasn't worked and in addition to the front office having missed a lot I've I, I know we all love Von Miller but I questioned that signing at the time and just how much you were going to get out of him and the injury stuff when you sign a 35 year old pass rusher like that stuff's going to happen you know it's, it's hard to stay half healthy he hasn't been on the field and you look at a guy like Sean McDermott, who fired Leslie Frazier to take over the defense. He spread out a lot more thin. Now you have Joe Brady, who's now going to be taking over for Ken Dorsey. It feels like as a whole, and what's incredible, and this is a big if, but like if you remove the turnovers, the Bills should be a top five offense in football. And they are statistically. Like all of their efficiency numbers and scoring and yards per game, all that stuff are crazy off the charts. They're in the top five in pretty much every single statistical category offensively. The one that they are also top five in that they really shouldn't be is turnovers, you know, yeah. like, and and that's what's killed them. And, and Josh Allen, I, the numbers when he's turning the ball over versus not, I mean, this is a team that should be one of the best teams in football right now. And there's just a disconnect across the board. Um, and they're just small mistakes. They're dumb mistakes. It's like, you guys are too talented. You have Josh Allen there. You have Stephon Diggs. You have well. You have so many guys there that can help you, but they're just not translating to wins because they're making these dumb mistakes that are setting them back. I think there's two things that that are mostly involved with that. One is the Haley's the media though. narrative where oh. did you hear about that? The, they're all worried about Haley Steinfeld dating him, and they're like, ever since they've dated this year. Oh, yeah, really? that, that was yeah, one of them. So, yeah, that I just that could be one. It could be one. So maybe three. Uh, one is the the media narrative. That's like he comes out and everybody's questioning why he was the highest draft pick coming from Wyoming. Then he goes out and slings it his first year and runs. And we're going, oh, shoot, there's not a guy who can do this in the NFL, do things that he's done in the first two years. Mistakes be damned. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you can't. You got to pull him back a little bit because if you want to make a Super Bowl run, you can't have him run as much. So he's going to have to throw the ball more. And now all of a sudden he's making more mistakes over the last year and a half. So you tell me, which which Josh Allen do we need? Do we need the guy who you just put on the field and say, fuck it, and let him go and let him do his thing? And maybe he has a, a, a abbreviated career because of how he plays? That's a risk you take is the investment that you made. 
uh, as the Buffalo Bills. The other is you're still winning games when he's doing that. So, like, I don't understand uh, where where the how you reconcile those two. Yeah, man. Second point. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. If you have to well, add. I was just going to say, like, to your point, you know, we always talk about that third year jump he had when his completion percentage just shot up from like 61, yeah. 62 to like 68. He's he was over 70 still this year. Like he is still operating at a very high completion percentage. That's the thing. It's it's your point. It's the turnovers. And and I think to, to that point, the, the rain back version is still operating very well. Whatever this is, hybrid, this, you know what I mean? How he's kind of in between. I, I wonder what they're going to do on offense now, to your point. Like, are they going to yeah. try and let him and, loose? Like, what does that look like? And that leads me to my second point, which is the play calling. And Dan Orlovsky made a great point the other day on the McAfee show. He was talking about how stale and dull and awful that offense is. It's no run game, which uh, has been their their Achilles heel for the last, I don't know, at least since Josh Allen's been there. Um, and then it's... it's uh, defense is showing them two by twos and throwing, uh, trying to throw a deep ball, not getting there. Uh, third and short, they're going inside over the numbers, and then uh, or second and uh, second and long, they're going inside and over the numbers. Third and mid to third and short, they're either trying to run Josh Allen or it's a it's a out route against man coverage to to Stephon Diggs or or an in route, some some kind of short to to yeah. intermediate route. And it's the same thing every time. They don't move guys on the line when they're stacking two by two in the in the box. They don't move guys uh, outside when they they know they've got man coverage and a guy who they have at tight end who can is now a, a certified good pass catcher at tight end in the NFL and Don Kincaid. They don't do any of that stuff. It's just here's the play call, go and do it. And it's it reminded me a lot, Vito, of what Penn State's offense looked like for the first uh, nine games of this year, uh, ten games of this year. It's just like. I don't know why you're trying to do the same. It's a definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over and over again that hasn't worked and expecting a different result. That's what I think, and I agree with Orlovsky on that point. The offense did have uh, a bit of a, a stale uh, stale figure to it. I, I still think they're reeling a little bit too. At least Josh Allen was. He played his best football when Brian Dayball was the offensive coordinator. He was the one that was there calling plays, and that was his offense. Um, Josh Allen was still really good last year. He's still really fucking good this year. He's the number he's the number two ranked uh, overall quarterback in by PFF so far this year. He's number three in passing. Um, their overall score has more to do with like the culmination of everything. Passing is just passing uh, on its own. He's been really efficient. He's completed a ton of deep balls. He's thrown nineteen touchdowns this year. He's also leading the league in interceptions. You know, he's, he's thrown 11 interceptions so far this year. That is the most. He's tied for the most touchdowns with Tua with 19, and he also has the most interceptions. And I think ultimately it's it's a little Brett Farvish, right? It's kind of like you kind of have to live with this guy being a bit of a gunslinger, and you have to put him in positions to make mistakes where he can be aggressive. I, I think so much of a guy like Josh Allen is he's ultra competitive. He's ultra, ultra confident, right? He has – the strongest arm in the NFL, arguably, and he knows it. He is as confident and competitive of a dude that you will find throughout the entire NFL. And I agree that there are some stale aspects of this offense. It does feel like it, they've been trying to run the same things over and over again, but it's also been working, right? Ultimately, the concern comes into where you're like, all right, well, what is Josh Allen not seeing that's preventing him from, you know, from, from, not turning the ball over basically 
right? What is he seeing out there that he's continually throwing the ball away to the level well, that he has? And and honestly, I got to interrupt here because we're doing what everyone else is doing, just talking about the Bills. And I want to talk about the Broncos. Which we will. We will. I just I think it's in, I think it's important to at least lead with the Bills because I want to give you your space for the for the Broncos veto. It's just oh. the, the Bills storyline is really jarring. Um, because right now between the Bills and the Bengals, those are two teams that coming in were a lot of people Super Bowl picks that were mm. teams that a lot of people thought were going to be top end. And depending on what happens on Thursday night between the Bengals and Ravens, both teams could be sitting at five and five looking on the outside end of the playoffs as you have, uh, you know, teams like Houston that are right on the outside there that are, that are in playoff position if the season ends tomorrow. Um, but you are right. We don't need to over harp on the, on the bills. Um, I mean, it's crazy. They have the number one, like literally the number one ranked offense in the NFL, but they also lead the league in turnovers. It's just crazy. Um, oh. All right. Broncos time. Vito. Congratulations. Thank you. Russ is looking better. Russ is looking great. Yeah. Definitely. He looked yeah. like his old self there. <laughs> the, the, the touchdown to pass. The yeah. yeah. Oh. The touchdown pass to Corlton Sutton might've been the best pass of the year so far. They said uh, it was the lowest, like it was the lowest expected catch that was made in the next gen pro era stats. Wow. Like, like 3.2%, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was incredible. I mean, think about how far out that was. That's honestly, that's more on, the pressure on him, the spin, the throw, and then Cortland Sutton made his Dude. best catch ever. Santonio Holmes, Super Bowl 43 type of catch right there. Yeah, and and I think that set the tone for us on the offensive side. Like, Russ looked good. Yes, listen, again, so we got to remember, we beat the Chiefs, we had a bye week, we beat the Bills. That's that's a very, I think, rosy I'd look at it. We got to remember that we had, right, we were, uh, Mahomes was sick. The Bills, we should have lost, and they had 12 men on the field. Like, there, we... Yeah, we've gotten given a couple things here. But overall, like the line is playing much, much better, especially like this is the big step up. Um, Kush, our center, Louis Kush, very third. He, this is his like probably best season. Um, it was kind of like, oh, shit, do we draft a bust? And then on the defensive side, one adjustment that we made, and I know you, I told you guys this, I was like our offense or defense will live and die by Damari Mathis, that outside corner. He's ranked 113 out of 113 corners. He was terrible. And we switched him out with Jaquan McMillan. This dude has come in number 29 on our team. He's now ranked third in cornerbacks overall, higher than Sertan. I mean, given it's a smaller sample size and everything, right? But he, his rush defense is great. He can tackle well. He's good in coverage. He's our highest rated defensive player in PFF right now by 10 points. I mean, he has come in to that spot that we needed someone to just, hey, just be competent over there on the other side of the field. And now we have that. The rush is getting there. I'm really, I'm really pleased with what's going on in the overall team. And yeah, like, should we have beaten the Bills and the Chiefs? We got lucky. But I'll tell you what, that doesn't matter at the end of the day. And we got the Vikings coming up, we're going to get to. But we're, we're on the streak now where, hey, man, we reel off a couple of these wins. Hell, we, and I have confidence now that we can beat anybody. And, and that is not where I was at three weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, it's one of the best offenses in the league in Buffalo and one of the best defenses in the league in Kansas City. And you found a way to beat two top five units mm. on both sides, you know, from both sides of the ball. I mean, that's hard to do. And you did it in different ways, right? Uh, Russ, the overall numbers are kind of wild. I mean, 18 touchdowns to four picks. Uh, he's completing 68% of his passes. Uh, he's still ranked 18th 
he's tied uh, in, as at 18th um, in terms of his overall passing grades, overall offensive <laughs> efficiency numbers, according to PFF. Uh, he ranks uh, 16th. So he's kind of in that middle of the pack. Um, what was interesting is with Carson Wentz signing that deal to um, the Rams, I went down a bit of a Carson Wentz rabbit hole because I remembered his season in Indy being a lot better on paper than it looked, right? And that season he had 27 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? That year in Indy when it felt like that Indy team was just like pissing down their legs, right? There's a little bit of that with Russell Wilson up until the last two weeks, right? It was like the raw numbers from Russ looked really strong. It looked like, hey, he's not turned the ball over as much. He's completing a high percentage of his passes. There's more touchdowns than picks by a large gap. But the last two weeks to me show me something completely different because even though Buffalo is not an amazing defensive team, they're still in that top 12 range in most in most of their statistics, at least according to PFF and the way that they're graded out. I'm impressed because the Chiefs defense is legitimately good. And that game was ugly and weird, but you're still going up against Mahomes. And the one thing that Pat Sertan gives you that very few teams have is like a true lockdown corner, a true like number one guy that you can be like, Hey, like we are going to like put you like they did against Buffalo on Monday night. We're going to put you up against the, against Stefan Diggs and take Stefan Diggs out of the game. And that's exactly what happened. Stefan Diggs had like one or two catches piece. Yeah. Uh, PS two basically hung with him the entire time. And that was it. It was ball game for Pat Sertan, or sorry, for, for Stefan Diggs. So the, the Broncos have something here. I don't know exactly what it is, but the, the best thing about this and Bro- Vito, obviously as a Broncos fan, like this is right up your, your alley. It gives you hope for the Sean Payton thing. Cause there was a stretch there when they're sitting at two and five and you're like, Holy shit, this team is terrible. We lost by 70 points or gave up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins, and you're just thinking about all of this awfulness that you're like, did Sean Payton lose it? Is he going to be able to get this back, right? And you were like, no, I still have faith. It's just going to take some time. But putting up 70 is a really hard thing, and it's a tough (laughs) thing to swallow. And now it's like Vance Joseph has kind of found a way to get this defense fully locked in. I got to apologize to Vance. I'm sorry. Uh, overreaction right here. I'm sorry, no, Vance. When, when you're when you give up 70 points, you're allowed to you're allowed to to, to have Thanks. some doubts. I think Thanks. that's I'm fair. glad yeah. he, I'm glad he's turned it around to your point. Huge he turnaround. Has. Yeah, it's it's been great. Um yeah, I mean it's crazy. They have the same record as the Chargers, and they're one behind the Raiders. It's the AFC West is just bizarre right now. Um you could tell me any of those teams beat each other. And I, I honestly think at this point, I'd believe it, especially with how goofy the chiefs have been. Uh, the chiefs are obviously still the best team there. You have Mahomes, you have a top five defense, but yeah, it's, it's weird, but credit to the Broncos uh, credit to the Broncos. Uh, all right. News and notes. Number two, Deshaun Watson done for the year uh, has a broken bone in his throwing shoulder that uh, amazingly he played through. Uh, I know he said he was kind of even shocked, but he has to get a surgery that's going to sideline him for the rest of the season. Um, the way it's been described, I'm kind of surprised that they're they're ending him for the year. I don't know if it's like they have to go in there and, and it'll mess up some of the tendons in his throwing shoulder. Um, but Deshaun Watson's done for the year. 
And that puts this Browns team that's coming off of their biggest win of the season, sitting there at six and three with a top five defense, if not the best defense in the NFL, puts them in a really weird spot because they said this week we're going to see DTR get another chance. That first game was tough. You're playing a really good defense in the Ravens. You're playing a good team. Divisional opponent in uh, in Baltimore, I believe that game was. Might have been in Cleveland. Um, it was in Cleveland because yeah, this, Cleveland. this past one was there. Um, but that's a tough situation to put a rookie in there uh, who's really only seen limited preseason snaps, and that's about it. They're going to give him a chance because I do think it gives you a higher upside if it works out compared to P.J. Walker. Uh, but it kind of feels like – and look, it's not like Deshaun Watson's been great. You know, Deshaun Watson still is ranked at the bottom third of the league in terms of quarterbacks and how he's performed this year. But it looked like this week was like, or last weekend at least, was like they're turning the corner a bit, right? Like, okay, Deshaun looks pretty good that second half. He played really well in the second half. Now it's like completion. Like, I I don't know what they did. I don't know if they shot him up at halftime, right? Because they're like, oh, this is messed up. But to your point, he played his best half since he's been a Brown that half and everyone was pumped in Cleveland. I can tell you that like the immediately after I was like, dude, look at, did you see this? Like we got a team and it was right. Right. Uh, soon after it's what happened with Russ. Like, Holy shit. These two guys who demanded all this, this $200 million plus contracts are starting to work out. And then you start realizing like, Oh shit, he's out for the year. Like that was yeah. a huge shock to everybody here in Cleveland. And it's been a somber mood in the city. I can tell you that when it comes to football. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that their defense is good enough to get them into a, you know, a wild card. I I don't think they were a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I, I think they I could have seen them making the playoffs, beating a team in the playoffs, but then they go up against, you know. Oh, but then again, like the AFC feels kind of open right now. Like it feels like there's a, a good pocket of good teams in the AFC, but you could make the case for any of them to beat the other one. Like there's not one clear cut. Uh, like group or even one team that seems significantly better than everybody else in the AFC. Whereas like the NFC, you're like, okay, there's like three or four teams at the top and then there's everybody else. There's a sharp cliff. It's much more muddy in the AFC. So like maybe DTR works out. Right. And it's this awesome story with a rookie, similar to what we saw with Brock Purdy last year. And he kind of figures it out as he goes along and he's playing simple football, but the, the talent on Cleveland's offense is not that of San Francisco he doesn't have the offensive mind of, you know, uh, of uh, Kyle Shanahan there. Stefanski's a good coach, but he's not Kyle Shanahan. They're in a tough spot, and the defense is going to have to carry the way. I still think they're in a good position to make the postseason uh, because of where they're at through nine games. But this is a big blow, no question. And especially with Deshaun, it's like they didn't need Deshaun to be like prime Houston Deshaun. They just needed him to be like what he was in the second half, which was – don't make too many mistakes. Use your legs to scramble and pick up a first down when you need it. Run the offense and, and keep it balanced, right? You It's that whole idea of complementary football where you have this awesome defense. Have the offense be just good enough that you're not putting your defense in a situation like they were in on Sunday in a couple pace, uh, places where they had to get the pick six and they had to sack Lamar three times and they had to come up with big plays and big moments. Now it's going to be like, Everything's on the defense unless DTR somehow shows out or PJ Walker ends up being your quarterback for the rest of the way. And in either case, that's a tough place to be in if you're a Cleveland Browns fan right now. Um, Scotty, any thoughts here on the on the Deshaun Watson stuff? No, it's just a, another in a laundry list of terrible things to happen to the Cleveland's football team. Uh, yeah, because you know, like like you said, you're thinking he's almost all the way back. 
as as much all the way back as he could be since uh you know everything uh went down a couple of years ago um and that was encouraging to watch that you're watching that game as a browns fan you're thinking holy shit we got a team now we're going to win this division the way it's going and, and make some noise in the playoffs and all of a sudden boom just like that it's done so um what's crazy too is sucks. Dobbs, you gotta remember josh dobbs was the backup yeah, the wouldn't they love to have him now? Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, Jeff always talks about the importance of a backup quarterback. <laughs> and the timing, oh, the timing, I think the timing, I think is really weird too, because, you know, right before the trade deadline, it was like, well, how long is, is uh, Deshaun going to be out? Because if for a while, we're going to like go out and try to get a quarterback to, to, uh, to play for us the rest of the year. Uh, if he's going to be back next week, then screw it. And he comes back the week after the trade deadline, plays uh, plays in his second week here last week, and then uh, and then gets the injury that uh, knocks him out for the year. So bad luck uh, for the Browns. But again, I think their defense is fully capable of keeping them in the mix, uh, as crazy as that AFC is. So I have a... <laughs> God there damn it. Is. I've been I've been on mute while you guys were talking because I've needed to sneeze and it just wouldn't come. And then as soon as I unmute, immediately sneeze. Jesus. Um. Yeah. No. I I think you're exactly right. And look, having having a backup's important. Josh Dobbs was there. Um. And there is something too, like, hey, you know, this rookie looked really good, and we can save money and invest in another position, like. They yeah. may not have been able to bring in a guy like Zadarius Smith, right? That takes your defense from really good to or from good to really, really good, right? And and help elevate you to that next level. If they had spent, you know, that money on keeping Jacoby Brissett at, you know, four million dollars a year, whatever, you know, Brissett's contract is right now. But you have to imagine if Brissett's if, if they just invest in Brissett and say, hey, we we want to make a run this year, our defense is going to be that good especially with a new defensive coordinator and Jim, Jim Schwartz, like Brissett would be good enough to lead them down, like lead them on a, a, a good playoff run. I really do believe that. Um, but this, yeah, this year has sucked for, for Cleveland, man. I mean, you lose your starting uh, left tackle or right tackle in week one in Jack Conklin. Uh, week three or week four, whenever that was, Nick Chubb goes down with a horrible knee injury. And now you lose – you know, Deshaun Watson for the rest of the season. And yet the defense is still going out and balling out. But we have two teams right now in the NFL with probably the top two defenses in the NFL and the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns who chose not to invest in a backup quarterback and rather stick with a young player that they hope they can develop. And those two defenses are being wasted. Now, the nice thing is if, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, like most of that defense will be intact next year. Same thing with the Jets, but you just never know, man. Like that's the thing with football. It's like if you have a side of the ball that is as dominant as Cleveland and the Jets defense are, then you need to make a run while you can. And you have, I mean, it's the same thing with the Eagles in 2017. Like no one thought in a million years, Nick Foles was going to go on to win a Super Bowl, but they were really good on the line of scrimmage on both sides. They had built that team to compete around a young starting quarterback. That quarterback goes down fuck it let's give the ball to Nick Foles right they were they were paying yeah. legitimate money and then on top of that too the Eagles also had uh what's his face Nate Sudfeld as the third yeah. quarterback on that team but teams nowadays because roster spots are so valuable only want to carry two quarterbacks and then as we saw in the NFC championship game last year they had to change the rule because of it if you invest in a quality backup 
but you also have a young guy that you want to keep around, but you think, hey, 2023, this is a championship window year for us, then you should invest in that year. You should invest in the backup quarterback because that's your win-now mode. And if your quarterback goes down for the season, like we're seeing now in Cleveland, like we saw with the Jets, you should want to have a guy in there that you trust to at least get you to that double-digit win mark, to at least give you a chance to advance through the playoffs, to, you know, and, and maybe you hit the miracle run like the Eagles did with Nick Foles. Obviously, it's a long shot to happen, but if you build, it's it's all about tapering, right? You're building a franchise and an organization around to get to a point where you are like, hey, we are now championship ready. This year is our window. If you're in that window or you think you're in that window, you have to invest in the backup quarterback position because if you lose somebody, you don't want the season to feel like a complete loss. And in the case of the Jets, I mean, it's got to be so painful being a Jets fan right now. And unfortunately, the Browns are going to be in the same boat moving forward. Um, but we'll see. You never know. Maybe DTR, you know, turns into Brock Purdy 2.0 and, and takes him on a bit of a run here. We'll see. Uh, before we get into the games, and we'll take a quick break before that, want to go over where we are at in our standings. I'm, I'm riding the struggle bus a little bit. Personally, uh, three weeks in a row, I've gotten one right out of my locks for the last three weeks. Um, so my the last three weeks, I am one, seven, and one with my picks. So my lead and has we've now, made up no ground. <laughs> well, my lead, my lead has now shrunk. Uh, Vito is in first place, 12, 8, and 1 with his locks. I am in second now, 12, 13, and 2. I'm now under 500 for the first time this year. Uh, at least since week one and Scotty, you are, uh, you're making a little ground 10, 13 and one. You're, you're not too far behind. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, so we're all but, kind of the thing, but Vito's got a strong lead right now as we currently stand. That's um, in the locks. Do the, uh, do the total. So uh, overall, because overall Scotty, you definitely have the best winning percentage <laughs> overall, uh, 62, 46 and eight. Ooh. Followed up with Vito, uh, well, but me second, 74, 65, and nine, and Vito, 45, 41, and five. So as a as a pod this year, picking every single game, we are well over 500 collectively. All three of us are over 500. So our overall picks are good. The locks have been a little shaky. Uh, we all struggled this week. Scott went one and two. Vito went one, one, one. I went oh, two and one. Um, so we need, we need a bounce back week, boys. We need it in a big way. So, uh, we will do our picks on the other side, stick around, be back in just one second. We'll get into our week 11 preview of the NFL. All right. We're going to keep it rolling here. Uh, and we're going to go over the week 11 games before we do that right now, just have to call out the NCAA for being fucking cowards and upholding once again, the stupid, bullshit keeping JMU out of the postseason two days before college game day. Uh, they're going to be doing the all bunch of live stuff there starting tomorrow. They're already set up on the quad. I'm pissed. It's stupid. Everything's dumb. I hate it here. Fuck you, NCAA. Bunch of losers. They lost their power that they shouldn't have even had in the first place. And now they just take it out on 18 to 22 year old kids because they're fucking losers. Anyway, I'm still going to watch college football. It's not going to change. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's like, I, we say all this and then we're like, yeah, but you know, college football is still pretty awesome. So yeah, you know, going to watch anyway. Um, same thing with the NCAA tournament, but it, mentally and emotionally I'm, I'm protesting. I'm still going to watch. 
Let's jump into the games. Thursday night, first of our two really, really good games this weekend. We have the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Baltimore and the Ravens, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Both teams coming off of tough, tough losses here. Both teams need this win. The Bengals, I think, need it a little bit more. There's a little bit more desperation coming out of that camp, considering where they are and how tough the remaining schedule is. They need every single win, and if it gets to a point where there's potential tiebreakers, this could be a really, really pivotal uh, pivotal game for the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, they are three-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road in Baltimore. Thursday night football, short rest. Where are we leaning on this one, boys? Man, this is a close one. So, again, they both lost tight games. Baltimore just lost at home to Cleveland, right? So, like, that was a huge comeback. I think we saw a little bit of, like you said, when when Deshaun was making completions and doing a good job and taking care of the ball, they moved it on this on this Baltimore defense. It's really good, but I don't I don't know. They're going to lock it down. This is another divisional opponent. We all know what Joe Burrow's capable of. Um, it, the the real question is like, can the Bengals defense slow them down? Really, Hendrickson's been their best player uh, on the line, getting pressure. They got banged up. <laughs> yeah, and and on the flip side, like I believe in this Baltimore defense. I don't think they're going to do that twice. I'm going to take Baltimore in this and uh, I'm going to do that again. I, I believe in Burrow. I think they're going to have a great game. I just believe in uh, the rebound from what happened last week. I don't think they're going to let another divisional opponent come in and do the same thing. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Ravens for that exact reason. And to your point, I do think the Bengals probably need it more, but um, I think, I think that the, uh, the good old Ravens can pull this one out. If not, we're going to be back here talking about like our Ravens in trouble slipping two games to the division after they were mm-hmm. seven and two. So um, to your point, I, I, both teams need it. Definitely storylines are going to be built around this game for the next couple of weeks. It's a big one. For sure. In a division that had four playoff teams in it after, uh, after last week's uh, <laughs> game. So it is a big one. Cincinnati's three, two and one against the spread um, against the Ravens uh, since Joe Burrow became Joe Burrow when they were going on that title run in, in 2021. Um, but the Bengals are one of the, for as good as that defense is, has looked over the last few weeks, one of the worst against the run uh, statistically in the NFL. They Bengals allow 136 yards rushing per game, six yards per rush and one rushing touchdown per game uh, all season long. Those are all either 30th or 31st in the league. That's bad. And the Ravens can do one thing really well, and that's run the ball, whether it's Lamar, whether it's Gus Edwards, whether it's Keaton Mitchell, who uh, now all of a sudden is in the mix. A um, couple of good prop bets on him uh, as well for for rushing uh, in this game, be it yards or uh, or touchdowns or longest uh, rushing yard. I love um, the, uh, the, the one I'm looking at here is <clears throat> Keaton Mitchell over 13 and a half yards as his longest rushing attempt at minus 115. I'm hammering that all day because I think they're going to be able to run the ball really effectively, keep the ball out of Joe Burrow's hand. That's the recipe. And with the hook at three and a half, give me the Ravens who have the goat at kicker if this is a close game. Yeah, this uh, this is a really, really tough, tough game to pick. Um, it's worth mentioning both teams have key injuries for this game that very much benefit the other team. For Baltimore, it's Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Stanley has been downgraded to out, and uh, Marlon Humphrey is listed as doubtful as of today. 
Um, their uh, nickel cornerback is also listed as questionable, and one of their starting safeties, not Kyle Hamilton, Worley, is listed as questionable. So a lot of injuries all across the board for the Ravens. Um, but Humphrey and and Ronnie Staley being out of this game are, are what hurt them the most. And then for the Bengals, no T. Higgins, no Sam Hubbard. So you're losing one of your best edge rushers. Uh, Trey Hendrickson also banged up from the last play of the game last week against uh, Houston, but he is still expected to uh, to play in this game. How much of a factor he is, I don't know, but him going up against a backup is a lot better than him having to go up against Ronnie Stanley. So you'll take that trade off, especially with him playing. No T. Higgins in this game, which means it's going to be a lot of Jamar Chase and a lot of Tyler Boyd and a lot of Joe Mixon. Um, we'll see if they can get, you know, Irv Smith going again. He, him and uh, and Drew Sample there had a couple of weeks where they were like, damn, all right, the Bengals are getting the tight ends involved here. Um, I don't like it. I really don't like making a pick on either side here because I think it's just going to be – I just think this is going to be a really, really close game. I think it comes down to a field goal. If this was, you know, Bengals – or uh, if this was Ravens two and a half, I would take Baltimore. But if you're going to give me three plus the hook – I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take the underdog. I'm rolling with Cincinnati here, plus three and a half. Uh, the other aspect of this too is, and I've mentioned this before in certain games, when one team is more desperate than the other, there's a human nature element that just pops up, right? There's just nothing you can yeah. do. When, you, when you're when you down 3-0 or 3-1 in, in a playoff series in the NHL or in, in basketball, the team, like, the, the team that's down is just more desperate. Like we are at, like must win territory for Cincinnati for them to keep their playoff hopes alive. And once again, the playoffs, we know they're as dangerous as anybody, but with how tough that schedule is the rest of the way, they need this game. Baltimore has a little bit more of a cushion. Uh, so I like Cincinnati plus three and a half here. I think it's going to be a really, really close game. I think we're in for a really good one on Thursday night football. All right. <clears throat> Saturday, no early games. I think we're done. Are we done with all the early games now? Yes, um, I, I believe yeah. we are complete with every overseas game. And, um, and Is that, isn't there like a Mexico a... City one this year, too? Do I have that wrong? There might be. No, not this year. All the international games are done. All right. So now we're just into that's how you kind of know, too. That's when you know you're in this last part of this, the season. Um, we'll start off here. We'll stick with the AFC North and get them out of the way. Steelers, Browns. Despite losing Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns are still a one-point favorite in this game. I think this game's going to be ugly, man. Uh, the over-under is set at 32.5, and, and I think I'd still probably take the under in this game. The nice thing to see, and this is what we saw the Ravens have some success with, um, the two things that you can kind of beat the Browns' defense with are running the ball, right? If you can effectively get into a rhythm running the football, uh, you can run on the Browns. It is hard to do, but you can run on the Browns. And then the other thing that the Browns can be susceptible to are deep shots, right? And basically that's the entire Steelers offense in terms of what works are when they're able to run the ball and get into a rhythm, running the ball and then throwing it up to George Pickens and seeing him do something incredible. Kenny Pickett's been really accurate on deep balls like that throughout this season. Uh, we saw Lamar had a couple of opportunities to really put that game away last week, and he missed on a couple of deep balls where wide receivers got open. George Pickens 
plus Deontay Johnson. You have weapons there in Pittsburgh. I love the way that Jalen Warren's been running the football. He's officially become like the number one guy there for them. Uh, And Najee's getting those split touches in between. They're keeping guys fresh. The offensive line's playing really good. The biggest thing, and this is actually one of the rare cases where Matt Canada's offense kind of helps you, is it's all about getting the ball out quick, right? It's about getting the ball out quick, or if you can scramble away, you know, you might get a deep shot there. That helps you neutralize Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith to some degree. And I really think Pittsburgh's going to have to do that because I don't think that offensive line holds up going against those two really, really good pass rushers. And obviously, Miles Garrett arguably being the best defensive player in the NFL. I like Pittsburgh in this game. I think DTR is going to struggle going up against that defensive front for the Steelers. And uh, obviously, between Hayward and, or Hayward and TJ Watt. It's going to be a, a an offensive-defensive line battle, and I like Kenny Pickett a little more than DTR. So I'm going to take the Steelers at plus one here to win this game outright. Yeah, there was a sick clip, actually. I think it was this week about um, they were interviewing Mike Tomlin about Pickett and how he – I guess he's like QBR is like 75-whatever for the first three quarters, and at the end it jumps up. And they were like, so what, what can you do in the first quarters? And Tomlin had an all-time Tomlin response. He was like, why do you word it like that, man? He's like, why don't you say, you know, this guy is killing at the end of the game. He's one of the best in the league when it comes down to it. He wants to be the reason why we win. How do we get him to act like that in a couple other quarters? And it's just like, you know what I mean? The Tomlin guy, the mindset, this is how they get to be uh, above 500 every year. With the quarterback going down, um, I can't believe it's plus one for the Steelers. I love the Browns defense, but I'm with you, Jeff. I'm going to take the Steelers on this. I'm borderline thinking of a lock. Um, I'm not going to go that far yet. I, I think I'm just going to let this play out and see how the quarterback plays. But the Browns get in trouble when when this happens. And, um, you know, it's at home, so they definitely could win. This defense could score. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's why I'm not locking it up. But I'm going to go with you with the Steelers. And and I, I again, Pickett's played well at the end of the game. Um, I think that's going to make the difference. I'm back and forth on this one. I really am. Because it seems like a true pick em, as good as that defense is. Browns are three and one against the spread at home against the Steelers in the last, well, dating back to uh, 2020, I guess. Uh, 2019, sorry. Um, and I think there's an opportunity for them to galvanize around the fact that they just played the best game, one of the best games of their season, uh, have now beaten the 49ers and the Ravens, who last week we were talking about being uh, the Super Bowl contenders and still are for most of the season. We've been saying that. Um, and galvanizing around the fact that they lost uh, Deshaun Watson, they're going to have a rookie quarterback. Welcome back to uh, to playing in the NFL. Uh, DTR, you you all you got is the uh, is the Steelers defensive line to worry about. No big deal. Um, how you doing? Keep it moving. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball very effectively. I'm with you, guys, man. But I th- every time I'm in Pennsylvania, I'll be there this week. Every time I'm there, the Steelers never cover, which is why I was leaning Browns. But I'm wearing black and gold today, so screw it. I'll go Steelers. Uh, it's it's going to be hard harder than I think um, for for Kenny Pickett to to throw the ball. Have you seen the chart this week? His his, his passing charts are ridiculous. There is nothing in between the numbers. It is all outside no. the numbers. It's absurd, um, and that's going to be tough sledding against Denzel Ward and Grant Delpit and Juan Thornhill and 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 uh, Emerson and, and and Newsom. Those those guys have been playing pretty lights out, especially against uh, uh, Baltimore. I know Baltimore doesn't have uh, as as big a threats at receiver as Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, but um, 
you know, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna put my money down where uh where I know that the the Steelers can be effective running the ball and then opening up the passing plays on that force Owusu Koromoa to help make a play um on the outside. Um, so I'm gonna take the Steelers too. Yeah. And look, Steelers get Minka Fitzpatrick back in this game. Most likely they are without both of their starting linebackers and Holcomb and Quan Alexander. Uh, Quan Alexander is done for the year, uh, but he really hit a cliff this year. He went from being consistently one of the better linebackers in the NFL to uh, currently is ranked 101st uh, in wins above replacement uh, of all linebackers in the NFL. And uh, it's kind of amazing that there's 101 linebackers, to be honest, that have played enough snaps to, to, to garner that. <laughs> So he's he's very low on the rank. Um, so I don't know how much you're losing necessarily by having that. But they also have a guy like Keanu Neal who, you know, has dabbled with playing that hybrid linebacker safety kind of role. So I think Mike Tomlin's going to be able to come up with something, especially against a rookie quarterback. Uh, sure. and, and that being said, too, like the the Browns are, are banged up as well, right? Um, obviously, we know the big three that are done for the year and Chubb, Conklin, and Watson. Uh, but Juan Thornhill is questionable. Uh, they're, you know, right now they have the number three ranked guard in all of uh, football in uh, their uh, uh, teller. And then Greg Newsom's banged up. So you're, you're losing some guys there. Um, but ultimately, I think it's going to be a, a pure AFC North ugly football game. And the Steelers somehow find a way to win those games. They're six and three overall. They're also six and three against the spread. I don't know if you guys have ever looked at the uh, been doing this the last few weeks, but look at the PFF pregame stuff where they can show you how the line has moved around. Uh, and this line opened at Cleveland minus four and then jumped all the way up to Cleveland plus one after the Deshaun Watson injury and now has gone back to Cleveland minus one. So uh, and that's where PFF has it as well, because uh, they show you the market and then they also show you where uh, PFF has this line at, too. So it's really good for betting. If you have PFF, highly recommend going through and, uh, and doing that. All right. Up next, Bears at Lions. Bears at Lions. Uh, this game, NFC North. I'm kind of surprised the line is as low as it is right now. The Lions are seven and a half point favorites in this game. Um, it seems low. I feel like Detroit is a significantly better team. It feels like it should be higher than that. Uh, PFF has this, the market right now actually has this at seven and a half PFF has this at seven. Um, so I don't know exactly what to make of, of too many of these things other than I think a lot of public money is going to go on the the lines in this game. And I do feel like the bears defense has been playing better over the last couple of weeks. Definitely since the trade deadline, Montez sweat has made a difference in the pass rush on that team. It feels like they're starting to get a little bit more of an identity. Uh, but this Lions offense is cooking. Justin Fields is expected to play. According to Matt Eberflus, he came out and said that Justin Fields is expected to play in this game. So you're going to get the return of Justin Fields. Is he going to break off a crazy run and do one of his things? His, his legs are rested. He's going to be eager to, to get onto the field. I'm not so sure. Um, but right now, if you're going just off of PFF grade overall offense, Jared Goff is your number one quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, mm-hmm. He is playing unbelievable football. That offense is getting better and better. Jameson Williams getting some more reps at the wide receiver position. Amonra St. Brown fully healthy coming off the bye last week. Had a monster game. I expect to see more of that. Um, Jalen Johnson is a really, really good cornerback there for Chicago. 
I don't think it's going to be enough. And I think the Lions roll in this game, but can they cover seven and a half? Does Justin Fields have one of those gross backdoor cover plays where he breaks off the 65-yard touchdown run at the end of the fourth quarter? Maybe, but I feel like Detroit's going to hold on here, and I think they're going to win by at least double digits. Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, again, the spread, the, the hook, the seven and a half. I think we're all in the, the the opinion that the Lions will just dominate the Bears in terms of line of scrimmage play. Now, I it, it is crazy because Sweat coming over from, from Washington is a huge help for the Bears' defensive line. He already showed that already a little bit. But what I'm kind of wondering is on the passing side, like, to your point, Bears have one great corner. Outside of that, it's, there's not much there. And I, I personally think the Lions can go off and do this. Now, Fields to DJ Moore, I think that's that's the dynamic connection. I don't think it'll be Fields' legs. I think it's going to be DJ Moore and what they can do. This is going to be close. Um, definitely Lions money line, but you know what? I'm... Scotty, I'm, I'm torn. Where are you going to go? Dan Campbell is four and one against the spread versus the Bears. Uh, I'm going with the Lions at home. If this were seven and a half on the road, I'd be a little more uh, apprehensive because I think Justin Fields can make that play, uh, that big play that's required to to beat this offense. And uh, so far, except for last week, uh, that off the Lions' offense has not looked stellar on the road. Uh, but this game's at home, and they're going to have everybody behind them. I don't see a whole lot of anything left on the schedule, including the Bears. Um, again, uh, at Dallas and at Minnesota and Denver are going to be uh, a tough way to end the 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 uh, season for the for the Lions. But at this point, it's like it's the Lions and their fans looking in the mirror and saying, "Hey, dude, we got a shot to be the one seat, like right now." So let's go out and prove it and beat the absolute piss out of a team who we know we're way better than on both sides of the ball on every position of the game. Uh, quarterback, offensive line, running back, whatever you want. Here, how you doing? Keep it moving. They're going to have two healthy running backs. The way they worked in David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs last week, I think was huge. That offense is going to explode at home in front of those rabid Lions fans who are waiting for a while for their team to be really, really, really fucking good. So, I'm going to take the Lions to absolutely steamroll, lock it up too for me. Ooh, ooh! All right, well, you convinced me. I'm going Lions, but I'm not. I'm not going to lock. Yeah, I'm not going to lock either. Um, I mean, look when when they're playing bad teams, Detroit kills them. You know, when they played Atlanta, when they played Green Bay, when they played Carolina, when they played Tampa Bay, and not all like not all those teams are terrible. When they played the uh, the Raiders, right? All of those would have covered that seven and a half point split. The only game so far this year, games that they've won that wouldn't have covered seven and a half points was Kansas City week one at the beat by one point. And then this past week against the Chargers, uh, there are some holes in this Lions defense, but the Chargers at least have enough offensive weapons where like I can see them getting to a shootout. I don't see this Bears offense getting into a shootout. So to me, it's like I think the Bear, I think the Lions put up at least 28 points in this game. So do I do I realistically see the Bears putting 21 points or more under the board? I just don't see it. I don't see it. So I think we're all in agreement. I I like your idea with taking this as a lock because it's like, hey, just take the team that's really good against the team that's not really good and ignore the numbers. Um, yep. But I think I think this one's going to end up being just kind of a weird NFC North game, and I think the Lions are going to make it kind of ugly. So. Uh, 
It is in Detroit, though, which does help out the uh, the Lions in that game trying to get the spread, but we will see. Uh, all right, up next, Chargers minus three on the road at Green Bay. This is a gross game. Um, I, to be honest, don't really have too much of interest in even watching this game, but I'm going to because this is where we're at. Everyone remember when we don't have football moving forward, right? You got you to gotta appreciate these games even when they're ugly. Uh, the Chargers can run the football and they can throw it. They also can't stop the run and they can't really stop the pass. The Packers, if they can get out of their own way, I mean, Jordan Love right now is second in the league behind uh, Josh Allen in interceptions. He's thrown 10 of them this year. Uh, he needs to be able to hold on to the ball and and not turn it over because I do think the Chargers offense is good enough, particularly against not as good of defenses. That being said, it's hard to pick the Chargers as a three-point favorite on the road. Um but I really just don't like this Packers team. I really don't. I, I Defensively, they've been very disappointing this year for the talent that they have on that roster. And then on top of that, too, I look at a guy like, um, you know, Aaron Jones gets back in this offense, and Matt LaFleur, a coach that I think is one of the really, really good young minds that we always thought was, he has struggled right now. And I, I think there's only so much you can do with a bad quarterback and a young quarterback who we don't really know what to make of. Jordan loves kind of in this position where he's putting up one or two really good throws a week where you go, Oh shit. Like, all right, I can see why you were the first round talent, but that 5% of his overall body of work where he's putting up these dimes that are unbelievable throws doesn't make up for the other 95%. That is absolutely terrible. Um, Herbert has been really good, but I think this is like a, Hey, do we have any sort of life? Like you cannot lose this game. If you're the chargers, you're supposed to be a playoff I mean, they, team. They're right? in the mix too still. I mean, they're not Absolutely. out of it by any means. No, they're not. And the, again, this is like a, the Packers, they feel like they're out of it a little bit here. They're mm-hmm. just trying to see what they have with Jordan Love and trying to get a decent sample size together to figure out what they're going to do moving forward. The Chargers, Brandon Staley's on thin ice. You have to make a run here. You have Justin Herbert. He is too good to, to not make the postseason this year. Seems like they were able to get their uh, the rookie wide receiver out of TCU going a little bit last week too. Um I don't like it. I don't like either pick in this game, but I'm going to take the Chargers minus three on the road because I do think they're just – I do think they're a better football team. Um, but I do think the Packers are going to be able to run the ball in this game. I do. I The Chargers are really bad against the run defensively, and the Packers proved last week against Pittsburgh that they can still move the ball a little bit on the ground, uh, but they have to try to help out Jordan Love. But if he throws a couple of picks, then this game's going to be over quick. So I'm taking the Chargers minus three. I'm taking the Chargers, and it's a lock. I mean, put it in. It's, in my opinion, with the, their be edge cold. and Bosa It'll be cold and for them, LA boys. In, that's fine. <laughs> that is fine because you know what we're, we're going to see is that, to your point, they have weapons. They've underperformed. They've also had, according to PFF, the – where is it? I just had it. Fifth hardest strength of schedule played to date, right? They've played the Cowboys. They've they lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Lions. You know, they lost to the Dolphins. So, like, a lot of these other teams that they're beating, and they're beating, you know, they beat Chicago by 17. They beat the Jets by 21. Like, I think they're taking care of business when they can, and I think this is one of those games we're going to look back, and this could be a 10-point win easily. So, I'm, I'm locking it. I love it, dude, uh, because I think on offense, they're better in both phases. Uh, the key matchup I'm waiting to watch, and it's two guys who missed practice on Wednesday, uh, is Keenan Allen, who got banged up and missed practice on Wednesday. 
and Jair Alexander, who missed practice Wednesday and returned to practice today on Thursday. So if those two guys are healthy, I think it's going to be a lot closer because that's been the big out for Justin Herbert is the the uh, the ability to get Keenan Allen 10 to, to 12 touches a game. Um, if he's out, it's going to be a little tougher. They're going to have, be able to key on Quentin Johnston, who is a rookie, and then force them to make Austin Eckler make a play, which so far this year has been few and far between relative to what we've seen from him uh, in previous years. But in any case, I think that Eckler's going to be able to have a good game one way or the other. Uh, Aaron Jones is probably going to have a good game on offense. Uh, it's going to come down to one team making a play on defense, and that's all it's going to take. Um, and if if it's going to come down to that, and if Jair Alexander's out on the field, that's where my money's at. I'm going to take the Packers to cover the three at home. All right. Wow. So we have uh, me and Vito on the Chargers, Scotty taking the Packers plus three. Really talked home. myself into that one behind peek behind the curtain. Like, I was fully ready to go Chargers, but <laughs> yeah, you sure did. Uh, all right, up next, Raiders at Dolphins. The Dolphins are thirteen and a half points here, coming off of the bye week. Uh, I got to see. I know uh, A Chain had been practicing. Like they opened up his practice window. I don't know if he's set to return this week or not. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the injury report here as of right limited, now, limited at he's practice, limited yes. at practice. So it looks like he might go. Um, this is a big number, you know, and the Raiders looked really, really bad against the jets. Uh, when it comes to their, uh, at least their offense going up against that jets defense with Aiden O'Connell, but honestly, every team that's played the jets has looked really bad against that defense. Uh, they are a really, really nasty physical defense. And they still put up 16 points, which frankly is pretty solid against that Jets team, considering it's Aiden O'Connell playing quarterback for you. The Dolphins defense is not anywhere close to as good as this as the Jets defense was. The question is, can the Raiders defense hang with this Miami Dolphins offense? And the one thing we've seen this Miami Dolphins offense struggle with is when they get disruption along the line of scrimmage, right? If you can throw off the timing of these, you know, that that high-performance sports car that is the Dolphins offense with all their pre-snap motion, I'm imagining Mike McDaniel basically has sat since coming back from Germany in, in a dark room and has just come up with as many different variations and different ways to go about it as possible, I want to take the 13 and a half, but I think it's too many points. And this will probably end up being another massive blowout and it'll look stupid. But I, I think the Antonio Pierce thing is real. Like, I don't think this is just flash in the pan, new coach hired to, to hold on to that game on Monday, on Sunday night, as gross as it was to stay invested. That team, I do believe, is fully bought in. I like some of the pieces on that defense. Max Crosby is a, a legitimate, like, top five pass rusher in the NFL. That dude also plays every single fucking snap. So they're going to put him out there. He's going to be disruptive. The offensive line for Miami has been their weak point. If they can generate disruption, if they can generate pressure, just throw off that offense just a little bit. I think they can keep this within two touchdowns. So I don't like it just because I really don't want to pick, you know, against Miami, especially coming off the bye week. But I think the Raiders are going to do a pretty good job in this game of at least disrupting it and bringing the energy. I'm going to take the Raiders plus 13 and a half. And I, I, really real like I've gone back and forth with this one a lot but I'm going to lean on Max Crosby being the big difference maker in this game I'm going to take the Raiders plus 13 and a half man this to your point this is just a huge 
huge spread. Um, last time we had something this actually the Dolphins had a 13 and a half point favorite. I was going through our um, where we track all of our picks. That's what I, Were you doing mind, the same? Daniel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going back. Like, how have those double digits done this year? In that week six, Dolphins covered 13 and a half against the Panthers. Very different team. Uh, you know, the Chiefs covered that week against uh, the Broncos with double digits. There have been a couple where that's happened, and there actually haven't been too many double digits. We have a lot of nine and a half spreads and everything in the NFL this year. So I don't know. When I'm looking at all of this, and I know we had a couple last week of bigger ones, but you know, I, I'm actually going to go ahead and take the the Dolphins and just think that, you know, off the bye, they're going to cruise. Um, I trust their defense, too. I, I bet you we get some, like, Christian Wilkins pressures. Aiden O'Connell get them uncomfortable. You get a turnover, quick touchdown. I think that's the difference. So I'm going to go with the Finns. Uh, yeah, me too. I was doing the exact same thing. How many times have the do- the Dolphins covered a double-digit spread this year? They are 3-0, and in fact. So you can lock this one in. That offense is going to fly around a secondary that has played better for the Raiders but is still not very good. That offense doesn't have an identity yet. All they're operating on still is the emotion of two weeks ago, getting their coach head, uh, head coach fired and, the, and subsequently winning two games uh, after that with Antonio Pierce at the helm. I think this is where it, you, you figure out that the NFL is, is really good and you're playing a team off of a bye that's really, really good, uh, shooting for the one seed in the, in the AFC uh, at this point. And I think the Dolphins' offense is going to absolutely run all over uh, the defense. Uh, Max Crosby's great, unbelievable motor. He's on the field a lot, but the Raiders still haven't been able to stop the run a whole lot, save for last weekend uh, against a, a really beat-up offensive line for the Raiders. Uh, the Dolphins are much better than that. Or, I'm sorry, the Jets. The Dolphins are much better than that on the offensive line. They're better than that on defense. And I believe that they are going to steamroll the the Raiders this week at home in Miami. You can lock that one in two for me. Dolphins minus 13 and a half. You know, what's interesting is when I first saw this line, I, my initial instinct was Dolphins lock. And I talked myself out of a lock and then all the way down to actually taking the Raiders plus 13 and a half. Uh, this line opened at 12. Um, PFF had this line opened at minus 11. And it has dropped a lot of the public money is on Miami right now. Um, PFF has adjusted their line to about 12. So I, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of an advantage by just taking the Raiders here. Um, but at the same time, like the dolphins could go out and hang 50 on them and it's not going to be a ball game. You know, uh, I think a lot of this will come down to two. If, if a chain plays and he's healthy, then like he is a legitimate difference maker with his speed. But I think knowing where Miami is, I think you, you hold on to them. This is one I would definitely tease. Like this is a very good teaser. Get it down to seven to what would be six and a half. Yeah. yeah this is tease written all over it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it turns out from there. It's, it should be an interesting game. Uh, all right. Up next, we have the New York giants going to the Washington commanders. The commanders are nine and a half point uh, favorites in this game. I did something I very, very rarely do. And I put a bet in on Monday because this line opened at commanders minus seven. And I was mm. like, Oh, okay. I like that. Uh, and in some places it, it, the spread was all over the place on FanDuel. It opened at minus seven. Uh, the market average actually had this out to Washington nine and a half to open. So it's basically fluctuated back and forth to the point where now it's kind of settled at nine and a half. That feels like a good lot, a good number right now for this team. 
Um, the commanders offensively have done a pretty good job of moving the football. Sam Howell's played as a whole really solid. Most get, passing yards in the NFL. Yeah. Um, get this number, right, to talk about how good Sam Howell has been and if we can just get him a decent offensive line. I think he is the future for the Washington commanders. His passer rating when in a clean pot, uh, when I, when in a clean pocket is over a hundred, it's a hundred point three when in a clean pocket, that is really impressive when he is under pressure, it drops to 71.5. So obviously when you generate pressure, it affects the quarterback. We know that, but there's plenty of quarterbacks who, if you give them the clean pocket, they still can't deliver the ball and wouldn't have a pass rating that high. That is really yeah. impressive from Sam Howell. Um, obviously, going up against Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau, you're going to have some level of, of you know high-level pass rushers in this game for the New York Giants. The only reason I'm like not all in on picking the, the commanders as a lock this week is just because it's a division game, right? I have no idea what to expect when it's a division game. The Giants always end up doing some weird shit. I don't know if it, Hey, it's Tommy DeVito, right? They're rolling with Tommy DeVito in this game. It's going to be bad. It's going to look ugly. The Giants offense is not going to be able to move the ball. They were able to do it a little bit at the end of the game against the Cowboys last week, but that was against the third stringers. I think the commanders roll in this game and I can't believe I'm doing this, but my first lock of the week, I'm taking the Commanders minus nine and a half. Whoa. <laughs> um, I, I know it's it seems crazy. The defense is still playing pretty solid for the Commanders. They did a really good job against Seattle last week. Uh, they frankly should have held on to win that game. Uh, they just got outplayed on that final drive and unfortunately weren't able to hold on to the win. I'm a believer of Sam Howell. I, I really am. And the one thing I also know, when the Commanders commit to running the football – they become a completely different football team, and it makes life so much easier. And the one thing they did in both games against the Eagles, where they, they committed to the run in the first quarter, and it opened up everything for Sam Howell. So the quicker you can get the ball out of his hands, establish the run, make life easy for Sam Howell, I think the offense is going to roll. And I just I don't see the Giants scoring more than like 14 points in this game. I think the Commanders can easily get to 28. So I'm taking the Commanders. And this is a big win. I mean, they're not out of it either, right? They're they're still in the mix. It's unlikely at this point, but they're technically still in the mix. So I think they come out. I think they t- take care of business. Um, I'm rolling with the commies minus nine and a half. First lock of the week. Yeah, man, for me, I th- it's an interesting one because they played a couple weeks ago. Uh, they played week seven and the commies actually lost 14 to seven, but they did. But and, well, and I should say, and like quarterback was different for the Giants. We had de- two more defensive pass rushers on the commie side that were doing pretty well. That game was minus three. It's minus nine now. Commies couldn't do it then. I think it's different with DeVito. I'm going to go ahead and take them as well. I'm not going to lock it. To your point, if this was a seven-point spread, good good job getting on that bet. Because yeah. anything over seven is tough. That has just garbage time points. But I'm going to go ahead and take the commanders as well. I'm on the I'm on the heavy favorites to this uh, this week. Kind of kind of a change up for my usual uh, feel like strategy, but I like it. Probably good. Uh, you know, mixing a little a uh, little difference maker every now and then. Uh, look, man, the Giants are in a bad way, but they are eight and two against the spread in the last ten games against the Commanders. Uh, this this is nuts that the spread got this high. The highest it's been in those last ten games the has been six. Wow. which Washington covered. Um, it's it's 
it's unbelievable uh, how, how it got up to nine and a half, which leads me to believe that I think that people want you to believe in the commanders. I don't. I believe in Sam Howell. I believe in a lot of the things, uh, the younger pieces on that defense that are working, two of which they gave away, by the way. Um, and I, I, I just, I don't see a world where Sam Howell doesn't get sacked four or five times this game. I think it's a weird, crazy game. Uh, Saquon probably has a big game. He usually goes off in Washington. Tommy Tuddy's gets involved. My uh, my Paisano uh, is going to throw a couple of touchdowns here. I like the Giants to cover in this game. Cover the nine and a half. It's going to be a weird one. Yeah, I, I think it could very easily be a weird game. Um, I think because the first meeting of these two teams was as weird as it was, I don't see it happening two times in a row. I I mean, look, and if somehow this ends up being a really close, weird game and the commanders lose this game somehow or they end up being around, like, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, that's kind of where we're at. I think that directly results into a Ron Rivera firing if that does happen. Um, but I think, I think the offense is legitimately good. I, re- I really do. There's too much. The offensive line's obviously bad, but the quarterback's good. The wide receivers are good. The running back room's good. Logan Thomas has been healthy all year, and he's like we've been saying for how many years now, if Logan Thomas can just stay healthy for a season, he could be one of those top 10 tight ends, and he has been this year. He's been really, really solid, really consistent for this commander's team. Um, I just don't, I don't see how, you know, the offense for the Giants put up any points with DeVito, unless it's, again, against second and third stringers and special teamers like they were against the Cowboys. Uh, I think it's going to be more of the same when it comes to Tommy. Tommy DeVito wasn't even a good college quarterback. Like he was terrible at Syracuse. He had a couple of stretches where he was all right, but he just wasn't good. Like, you know, state at Illinois. Yeah. Well, how, how hard (laughs) is that to do? Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. At least you guys didn't lose to Illinois this year. Uh, All right. Up to the next one. Cowboys at Panthers. The Cowboys are 10 and a half point favorites, and I'm going to lock this into Cowboys minus 10 and a half. Um, this line is fishy as hell. To me, the difference between the Panthers offense and the, the offense we saw from Tommy DeVito and the Giants is not a huge difference. The Panthers have been objectively better. So I'm not for any of our Panthers fans out there listening. I'm not comparing Bryce Young to Tommy DeVito, but in terms of output and efficiency overall, I mean, we're talking about the 31st ranked offense in the NFL, the 23rd ranked defense in the NFL. Um, this is a bad, bad team. Uh, the Cowboys do really mean things to really bad football teams. I, I don't see this changing. And the biggest thing for me, and the reason I'm so surprised that this spreads as low as it is, uh, and PFF actually has this as a minus 10 in their books, not 10 and a half. Um, the, the reason I can't get my head around that is between Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, the interior defensive line there for Dallas. How the hell is Bryce Young getting a ball off in this game? But that offensive line, which is one of the worst in the NFL, I don't see how the Cowboys don't just – absolutely shred up the line of scrimmage. And I feel like it's more likely to happen like that. That's more likely to happen than we see the Panthers, you know, score enough points to keep this close. The Cowboys offense has been rolling. It's rolled against good uh, teams with the exception of the Niners. And it's rolled against really, really bad teams at a really, really big way. I think this is continuing the hot streak with the Cowboys or they're going to shit themselves and they're going to end up losing like they did against Arizona somehow. It's, isn't that 
that's nuts how we can have those two dichotomies and be like, yeah. but they're one of the best teams in the NFL, I think. <laughs> and that's that is that is being a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? I mean, that's that's the torturous life of being a Cowboys fan is how is that possible? Look, they beat up on bad teams. This is a bad team. I, I don't think this needs to be much more th- overthought than that. This is at least two no. touchdowns. The Cowboys win and cover the spread. Lock it in. Lock number two. Two of my locks so far against with division rivals, uh, yeah. which I don't love. Um, but there's a little bit of an emotional hedge in there. If they don't cover, then hey, well, at least hopefully that means they lost. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I'm with you on on this spread. I mean, this is kind of crazy. I believe in the Cowboys. Panthers just haven't been able to put it together all year. Um, there's not much else to say. I I have them. I was teasing with the lock. Uh, I'm just looking at the rest of the game. I have one other picked out. You know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and lock it. I'm with you, Jeff. All right. Let's do it. It's gross. I don't I'm underst- like putting locks in for the Cowboys. I don't understand how we can go from 17-point favorites at home against the Giants to this week taking away a touchdown from, from the Cowboys against a worse team. Even yeah. though it's on the road, like that, make that make sense. Um, and I, mean, I do, I, so, I will say, I do think Carolina's defense is better than the Giants' defense, but it's not a huge difference. It's yeah, it's, it's and the way that best. the way that they've been working, CD Lamb. I mean, you still, I you got to go back to the well, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like this is another game where he can cook and have have eleven for one fifty. Hell he rushed for a touchdown last week. So get him involved there. He's got more rushing touchdowns this year than Tony Pollard. How about that? Um so <laughs> I think but this is a game speaking of Tony Pollard where you can kind of get him involved, right? Yeah. This, this Panthers team has has been pretty decent against the run, but they they're not like world beaters. This is a game where you can get Tony Pollard involved with some of the outside game that we saw him do so well and some of the passing game that we saw him do so well in when he was a backup. Um, has he been by the I way is he has Tony Pollard, not to interrupt Scott, but just a quick question. Has Tony Pollard been the biggest fantasy disappointment this season? Is there someone else that comes to mind? Because I feel like Pollard's been the biggest disappointment. He was, uh, he was like a – Devontae Adams has still had some big games, though. Yeah, like, Tony think, Pollard's done nothing. I think Najee's up there. Yeah, he, just such a low yards per carry. And he, yeah. with Warren coming on, that's been a Najee's at least was like a third, fourth-round pick. Like, Tony Pollard was a first-round no, pick in Adams. every league. You're right. You're right. That's been a big difference. Maybe it is without injury, right? I think. Yeah. Maybe. Jesus. Fucking fantasy. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the biggest because I mean, it's not like he's been bad. It's just he hasn't really done a ton, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like Cooper Cup, we knew was going to miss time with the hamstring. Jefferson being out. Yeah. But that's but injury. Without related, injuries. Right? Yeah. Like we're just talking about like, hey, we're excited to Games see this on player in this role. You could say Bijan maybe, but that's also a rookie, so there's always a chance that that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. Ta- I, yeah. Tony Pollard's been. Terrible. I think he's uh, fantasy wise. They're just like Fantas- they- fantasy wise. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway, Cowboys steamroll on this one. Uh, ten and a half. Oh, I'm so close to a podlock. Should I do it? Are we? Are we doing it? Are you doing it? Nah, <laughs> not for the Cowboys. <sighs> Yeah, we can't we give a, them that. Though that yeah. could be the kiss of death, you know. If we give them the pod lock, maybe we just do that. We just pick a team we want to lose every week, and we do a pod lock on that, and then they'll just right? keep losing. I think I'm pretty sure we are zero and two in pod locks. We are. 
So well, no, because um, we all took the didn't we all take the Lions last week? That was a push. And so yeah, I, was, I don't uh, think I locked that. I don't think he, he didn't see a sky didn't lock it. So yeah, we are 0 and 2 in pod locks, oh. but we are so what you're saying when there's oh, two, we all took the locks. Falcons last week. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Fucking Kyler Murray. Yep. Douche. Exactly. All speaking right, speaking of Kyler. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say speaking. <laughs> well, we do have one game we gotta get to before that. Oh, yeah, Tit- right. <laughs> Titans at Jaguars. I got to say it, I did more deep diving into the Jaguars offense, and I was 100% correct. They are so mid. They are so mid, and they've been mid all season. Their defense has actually been surprisingly good. And what's interesting about their their numbers is Trevor Lawrence right now is actually the eighth-ranked quarterback in the overall grade. Mm -hmm. But their offensive output is like 26th to 23rd in every single other category. So – the question, and I was listening because Mina Kimes and Dominique Foxworth did a full breakdown of this game about like what's going wrong with this Jacksonville team, and and like why hasn't it clicked yet? And ultimately, it comes down to what a lot of struggling offenses have, which is the offensive line. The offensive line has been really bad for them this year, um, and they're, they they said a lot of it comes down to like. The offensive line hasn't quite taken the step. Like they have the confidence of a team that's like, hey, we came back from down 30 points in a playoff game and won, right? So that's why they're really good. They know how to win in these close games. They hold on to that like confidence. They have more dropped passes than anyone else in the NFL right now. So wide receiver play has been a, a big issue for them. Yep. Um, inconsistency in the running game due often to uh, offensive line issues. Um, but also Trevor Lawrence has the least amount of time uh, by any, at least anyone not named Sam Howell uh, in the NFL right now. So Trevor Lawrence is being put into these impossible situations and yet he still is finding ways to get the ball out and like give his receivers a chance and people aren't making plays. So there is a weird, like slight disconnect where like Trevor Lawrence is actually playing pretty damn good football right now. But there's there's a missing link between what's happening from one side to another. And like in the games where it's clicked, they've looked really, really good. Right. And then the games where it hasn't, it's like, what is up with this team and why is the defense carrying the way for them? I think this is a prime opportunity for them to get back on track. I I really like this Jacksonville team. And I and Doug Peterson has always been a play calling head coach. Right. And and one last thing was we were talking about the Cowboys Panthers thing. Another reason I feel great about locking in the Cowboys. Frank Reich was the play caller to start the season two weeks ago, gave it up. And then he took it. He's taking it back for this week. So when you're playing like hot potato with play calling responsibilities going back and forth, um, you know, the team is in is in disarray. Doug Peterson, I think, might need to give up some of the play calling responsibilities when it comes to this offense. Um, he's always been really good at it, but at some point, if something's not working, you, maybe you give press Taylor a try, right? He's never called plays before. And that's obviously a tough thing to do mid season, but neither did Shane Steichen, you know, when, when the yeah. Eagles handed it off to him, you Everyone's know, sometimes called plays in Madden. And this is quite, I mean, these guys, exactly. didn't grow up. these guys have been calling plays since they were eight. So, yeah. you know, and, and Doug and press Taylor have gone together. You know, he brought press in when he got the head coaching job with the Eagles he was an offensive assistant. Then he moved his way up to assistant quarterbacks coach, to QB coach, 
uh, to like assistant offensive coordinator. And then when he got the job in Jacksonville, he took press Taylor and became the offensive coordinator there in Jacksonville. Um, there was enough to like, right. There's enough to really like in that Jaguars offense. Travis Etienne has been awesome. Um, this is a good opportunity for Jacksonville going up against a team where like Jeffrey Simmons is a stud, but there's no one else on that defensive line that really scares you. This is a game where you go like, Hey, like we need to fully lock in. Let's unleash this offense. The defense has been good. Will Levis is starting to look like a rookie. He's still been bad. He hasn't been awful. He's not turning the ball over, but just some of those rookie mistakes are coming along. I really like Jacksonville in this game. I flirted with making them my lock instead of the commander's pick. Um, but the Titans always keep games close. So it's like, I don't know. Sure, not sure if I want to put a full lock on that, but I am taking the Jags. I think the offense gets figured out a little bit this week. I think it's a really good uh, get right game. So I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars minus seven in this game. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm with yeah. you, man, because you said it right there. The, the passing game hasn't been super great so far. It's gotten a lot of drops, but this is a good game to get back in rhythm against a Titans team who's uh, like 28th, it looks like, in the league in in passing defense, passing yards allowed per game, yards per completion allowed per game at 11. Uh, this is this is a good opportunity for the Jaguars team passing game to get back in rhythm. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with everybody. Yeah, I was flirting with the lock too, but it's just tight. A touchdown divisional game is tough. Um, yeah. Luckily, it's at home, but uh, I'm going with the Jags. I'm pretty excited about it. It's a get right game. I, I think that, you know, they need, they need this win just to your point for the confidence. It seems like, um, you know, everyone kind of declared them before the season started, like these guys are going to win the division. Um, it's going to be easy, obviously with Houston coming on tough, Tennessee's look bad. Um, yeah. The switch to Will Levis. He's going to have some bust out games. I'm just hoping it's not this one. I hope Josh Allen can get a fumble or something crazy. Um, and, and that might be the difference, uh, if they can create pressure and get a turnover, um, to your point, Trevor Lawrence is rated really a lot higher than probably his numbers show. If you, again, if you're also, if you just watch, like, you know, like, damn, this guy can play, I'm going to take him, and, uh, hopefully they can cover swear to God, if this is just like a duke it out game where they barely win, I'm going to be pretty upset because the potential there is so high for Jacksonville. They need to start reaching it soon or else this playoff picture is just going to be like, oh, they'll get in as a wild card and get just knocked. So, um, yeah, they, they need to turn it on and get this division locked up. Yeah, and and especially when you think about the guys who are behind you right now, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's tough. It's tough right now. Uh, the one thing I'll say is the last couple games, you know, who's kind of been turning it on a little bit, Trayvon Walker. Yeah. There's one thing you can yeah. take a positive from from that Niners game was – I heard Trayvon Walker's name more during that game than I've heard in any Jaguars game since he's been drafted. Uh, you know, that he's he was always kind of that tweener where he's an edge rusher, but he's also can play the three technique. I think they're trying to figure out the best ways to use him. Josh Allen's obviously a stud. And, dude, that offensive line is really bad in Tennessee. Andre Dillard uh, is their starting left tackle. Josh Allen's going to have an absolute field day going up against him. So, um yeah, I, I really like I, I really like Jacksonville in this game. Um, as of now, PFF has agrees with the consensus. They have this as a minus seven. Um, yeah, it's just hard when you go up against Mike Vrabel to to give up that many points and feel good about it. But uh, I do think I do think the Jags are, are going to win this game. I think they're going to win big. All right, 
Cardinals at our Houston Texans. We've adopted this Texans team. Um, and they're fun. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're so much fun to root for. And they're four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game against the Cardinals. Uh, to me, like, the, the burning question in this game is, do we see the same version of Kyler Murray that we saw last week? Because he looked really uh, – he looked a lot better in that game than I think we had anticipated going into it. Um, the Cardinals are also hoping to have a high draft pick this year. Kyler Murray's either fighting for his starting job moving forward with the Cardinals, or he's going to be auditioning for another team. We talked about that earlier in the week. I kind of like Houston in this game because I just don't think we're going to see back-to-back really strong games from Kyler Murray with no training camp, no OTAs, no you know limited practice. Um, and I think this Texans defense is really good, but also it's a young team coming off of back-to-back really big emotional wins, I could very easily see a letdown game here. Scotty, where do you lean right now? Cardinals at Texans, Texans four-and-a-half-point favorite. This is tough because uh, you're right. You don't know which version of Kyler you're going to get. And uh, the Texans, the three games this year that they've been favored, they've lost all of them. Indianapolis, yeah. uh, Carolina, which was disgusting, and then Tampa Bay. They ended up winning the game, but lost uh, against the spread that was two and a half. I don't know, man. Four and a half seems like a lot uh, at home for a, a team. I get it. It's a rookie quarterback, and C.J. Stroud has been playing out of his mind, um, who has a team behind him uh, on both sides of the ball that are that are playing above what we thought would the, their level would be. Um I just don't know what you're going to do against uh, uh, what the defense in particular is going to do against Kyler Murray because they haven't faced a quarterback like that this year um, who can throw the ball really effectively, um, who has at least one decent wide receiver in the mix. Uh, A Cardinals team who's got a good running game with James Conner coming back. Uh, This Texans team, by the way, is one of the worst against the run uh, as good as they've played uh, uh, as a team. Uh, over the over the entirety of the season, but uh, I I think that's going to be the key. Arizona is able to run the ball both with Connor and with uh, with Kyler's scrambling ability, and that's enough to cover the four and a half mm-hmm. on the road. I think the Texans could win this game in a close one, but I do think that the Cardinals are able to cover the the spread here. Yeah, man, I'm I'm on the Texans. I don't think that we're going to see much out of Kyler. I mean, it, I don't know. I, I'm just against it. Uh, I, I, I'm not gonna, I guess, pick him until he shows it and, you know, has been showing it CJ Stroud. So I'm going to keep on him until, uh, yeah, I know. I love it. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm overanalyzing, but, (laughs) but it is fair because it's like, we have, um, no, that makes sense. Oh no. Vito had to hop on a work call in the middle of this. So that, that all got, that all got caught. We're going to leave that in. Um, (laughs) Uh, look, I mean, I mentioned this stat when it came to Sam Howell earlier. Passer rating in a clean, <laughs> passer rating in a clean pocket. CJ Stroud, one fourteen point four. He is absolutely dealing when he's got a clean pocket. They obviously have Laramie Tunsil back and fully healthy. He's playing really, really good football for them at the left tackle spot. Terrible and there's, defensive line they're playing. <laughs> yeah, there's nobody on that Cardinals D line that really, really scares you. Um, I think Stroud's going to be able to deliver the football. I really like the over in this game. It's at forty eight and a half. Um, because I think it's very likely that we're going to see the the Houston Texans put up 30 to 35 points in this game because I just, I think 
he's going to be able to sit in a clean pocket and deliver the football. Um, the question is like Nico Collins, he's listed as questionable right now. If he plays, he's going to be, you know, really good. He's currently uh, wins above replacement. He's 15th right now in the NFL. Uh, and uh, Noah Brown's been really good for them too. They have this young, exciting, fast, explosive wide receiver core. They can run the ball a little bit with Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary. Uh, I just don't see the Cardinals holding on to much in this game. I mean, it's, they're the 30th ranked defense in the NFL right now. And you look around the rest of the NFL, you look at a team like Cincinnati, who going into this week was like the 15th or 16th highest ranked off a uh, defense. And Houston and CJ Shad were still able to move the ball against them. They moved the ball against a, a very good defense in Tampa Bay, put up a lot of points against a good defense. Uh, I think we're going to see the same thing here in this game. I really, really like Houston. Another one that I flirted with making a lock this week. It's the uncertainty of not knowing what version of Kyler Murray we're going to get, right? Because everything else, we have this big sample size. We know, like, all right, we've seen 10 games, uh, you know, nine games, eight games. We've seen enough sample size for so many teams. This is only the second game of Kyler, right? Is this going to continue to be like, early season Kyler that we're used to seeing in the first six games where he's out there balling and they're just going to go out and win a bunch of games. He was solid last week, but I also think part of the reason we reacted as heavily to Kyler as we did was because we had very, very low expectations as a whole. He wasn't that good last week. It was just way better than what we thought it was going to be. So because of that, I'm I'm rolling with Houston here. I'm taking CJ Stroud minus four and a half. Uh, and Vito's still on a call right now, but we'll get his pick once he uh, once he hops back on with us. All right, uh, is he back? Back enough? No, I'm rolling with Houston. Like I said, okay. I, I think that's the way to go. I trust him. CJ Stroud's our boy. Perfect, Stroud boys. There is. Uh, all right, four o'clock window. We have three games in the four o'clock window this week. We'll start off with your San Francisco 49ers here, Scotty. Eleven and a half point favorites against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How are you feeling going into this one? Good. I mean, it might be tough running the ball a little bit, but I think this is a game where you can look to Brock to, uh, as we hit the stretch here, be like, hey, guess what? This is a game where you can go out and throw your your face off and uh, and you won't be uh, punished by any mistakes you make. This is a game where he can do a lot and learn from it. I think he goes out and slings, has a good game, kind of like he did last week against a tough defense in Jacksonville, making smart plays, making uh, – Christian McCaffrey uh, doing enough in the passing game, Debo back, healthy offensive line. Um, I just don't know how well, and this is one of the things that Tampa Bay has been good at with Baker Mayfield is being able to move the ball downfield. That's going to be really tough for Baker against what is probably the toughest defense that he's played uh, so far uh, from top to bottom. And, And I think the Niners are an easy cover in this one at home, 11 and a half. I, I tend to agree with you. I think the only way they get into trouble is if Brock Purdy, um, if if Brock Purdy ends up struggling in this game. Uh, as of right now, he ranks. Let's see. Let me, I'm trying to get PFF to cooperate here. Um, in terms of turnover worthy, like the amount of throws that are turnover worthy, uh, Brock Purdy currently ranks 46th. <laughs> In the NFL, obviously, that is with uh, – I'll, I'll do it again with the minimum dropbacks requirement. Um, he ranks uh, 24th out of 26 qualified quarterbacks. Uh, that's not great. Uh, that's not great. And that's for the minimum of 50% of your team's uh, snaps on the season. 4.6% uh, of every throw 
that Brock Purdy makes is a turnover worthy throw um, or turnover worthy play. As long as he protects the football with a clean pocket, it should be fine. If Vita Vea and Joe Tryon and those guys end up making a big impact and force the ball over, then all of a sudden that 11 and a half seems a little bit more scary, right? As long as he protects the football and they don't turn it over, this should be an easy cover for San Francisco. They came out and beat the doors off of Jacksonville last week. To me, it's like, can they can they keep that trend rolling, right? If they bounce back, like one big Trent. win coming off. That trend yeah, to roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Having Trent Williams back is the biggest difference maker. <laughs> but you looked great coming off the bye. Beat the shit out of a playoff team in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can you do it two times in a row? They're fully healthy. Debo's healthy. Trent Williams is healthy. They're all off the injury report, which is really, really yeah. good signs. They should cover this 11 and a half. The only thing is that it's a big number. And again, Brock Purdy for, uh, ranks 24th out of 26 possible quarterbacks right now and turnover worthy plays. So, um, you protect I'm not the putting, football, they cover, you know? I'm not putting too much stock in that because we said the same thing about Geno last year and they made the playoffs not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Geno stinks a quarterback. Uh, the only other thing I'm worried about is. Gino is good yeah, Geno didn't turn the ball over much last year, but. Yeah, but I'm talking about if you're talking about turnover worthy plays, Gino led the fucking league last year in turnover worthy plays. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up. I'm curious. He might have. I, I didn't think it was, but it, it, I don't. I don't know about led the league. That might be hyperbolic, but he was. He was up there in turnover worthy plays. Um, so I, I don't know about that yeah. stat necessarily. Yeah, um, but uh, the only other caution I'd have to to add on to you, Jeff, is a look ahead game, right? This is a, a Bucks team that we know we should beat. The 11 and a half number is big. And then you've got Seattle, Philadelphia, Seattle, uh, back to back to back in the next three weeks after this, including the Thanksgiving game next week. Yeah, all that's I mean, you need this one. No question. Yeah, all that's great. Uh, I'm taking the Bucks. Too many points. I think they're going to go ahead and be able to cover. And it's nothing against the Niners. I think they're going to get to a big lead. I think the defense is going to play well. 11 and a half is a decent amount. Um, I mean, it's at home though for the Niners. So what I usually do, just a little insight for people is I, I always, you got to look at how the team is trending, right? Like you got to look back at their few games. The Bucks have been able to score about 20 points for the last three weeks. They had some slumps. Um, and then obviously the Niners defense finally last week, put it all together. Um, you know, will that continue to Jeff's point? A lot, lot more people are healthy. Um, I would end up saying when you compare the quarterbacks of just like what we've seen for the whole year, right? Like Purdy just got, it was in a slump. That was his first slump really of his career. Uh, Mayfield's been able to bounce back and forth. Purdy has, I believe one of the best, if not the best, is 123.9 passer rating when there's a clean pocket. Um, I think they're going to be able to give him more of a clean pocket. I just convinced myself to flip. I'm going to take the Niners. I I, I want to take the Bucks. Yeah, no, I'm I'm taking the Niners <sighs> here too. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking the Niners here too. Um, yeah, I mean, Purdy might be high in turnover worthy, you know, percent and turnover turnover worthy plays, but he's also fourth in the league or fifth in the league right now in big time throw percentage. So he's he is taking risks, which is some is part of the reason why he is a step up above, um, you know, Jimmy G and other Niners quarterbacks in the past. Um, I don't think he's going to turn the ball over much in this game. The way I look at it is, look, if the Niners are fully healthy with their key guys, Trent Williams, Debo, all those guys, it's really, really hard to bet against them. 
It just is. And I, I think Tampa Bay has done a really good job fighting hard and keeping themselves in these games. Uh, but this is a whole nother beast of a team coming in. And I think there's going to be flat out outclassed when it comes to talent on the field. So I'm going to take San Francisco here. Uh, Interesting too. Interesting too. Do you remember Brock Freddie's first game last year? It was against Tampa Bay, wasn't it? In Santa Clara. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. That's a good point. It's a good point. Full circle, baby. It is. Is he up to 16 games yet? He's got to be close, right? Or 17 yeah, this games? Is 16. This yeah, is 16. This is 16. Yeah. 16, 17. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. We've come up to a year because it was week 10 last. Was it week 11? Mm-hmm. Week 10? Week yeah, 11 week 10. last year? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been a year of Brock Purdy. And so far, he's, he's proven himself worthy of it. So we'll keep it rolling. Uh, Jets plus seven at the Buffalo Bills. I can't believe the Bills are still getting this many points, man. Um, this is a stay away. If you're a gambler, like maybe if you want to like let the game start and then live bet it, uh, mm-hmm. if you're going to bet on this game, don't bet on the spread going into it. It is so hard to predict what these teams are going to do. Uh, what we do know is that the Jets offense is putrid. So the question is, can the Jets defense hold the Buffalo Bills to, you know, 14 to 17 points and the Jets can maybe get 10 on the board to keep, to c- try to cover that spread or at least keep it within, uh, within play. I don't see that happening. I do think the bills offense is going to be able to score points in this game. Still. The big question is, does Josh Allen get, start to get in his own head, right? How much does that start to factor in? Right. He knows he's turned the ball over too much. That's what every national storyline is talking about right now after Monday night football. Is he able to stay out of his own head in this game and just play his game? I feel like he's going to be able to, but he is such a gamer and such an intense dude with his competitive levels think it's going to be a pretty close game i i'm leaning buffalo just because i i don't see the jets holding buffalo to simply you know 17 points because i think if you get past 17 i don't see the jets offense scoring more than 10 in this game um but i might just lean and trust the jets defense because that's been if there's one unit that you can trust throughout this whole season week in and week out it's been that that jets defense they've been really really good and even the game against the cowboys where they lost there was a punt return and a pick six mm-hmm. in that game right like the defense has done their side of even in their big losses the defense hasn't been the reason that they lost the big question here is can the bills get on track score 24 points say and and not turn the ball over um but I think it's getting kind of tight. And because of that, I think I'm leaning towards taking the Jets plus the seven just because of how good that defense is. So I'm I'm going to take the Jets. And the reason why, again, to your point, the best unit in football is their defense. I But I think, here's what I think. I think the Bills, the difference on the offensive side and why they're going to be able to break the mold a little bit is because Josh Allen can run. Running quarterbacks are like against a defense like this that's so sound can be the, the difference maker. I think they're going to have to let him go. They've had two back-to-back losses. This is a, you know, everyone says must win all that stuff. Like we said in the beginning, this is kind of the witching hour of the first half of the year. I think they're going to have to let him go. Um, it's at home, which is great, but it's divisional. I do also think, though, without Matt Milano, this defense has not looked great for the Bills in the most recent weeks. I think the Jets are going to be able to move the ball um, just enough. Uh, you know, Garrett Wilson may make a play on special teams. I think they cover. I think they lose. Um, so I, you know, money line bills all day, but for the spread for seven points, I'm going to take the jets. And I, I don't know. I, it's just, again, I haven't seen what, like the eye test. I've watched the bills all year, even in their wins. I'm like, what the hell is this? So, um, that's, that's who I'm going with. I mean, I'm going back and looking 
Um, so they beat the Bucks by eight. And they beat back in week four the Dolphins in those early games when they were blowing people out. But they have since then, since week five through ten, they've had one game where they've um, you know covered covered a touchdown, and that was again against the Bucks. So um, I'm I'm going to go ahead and take the Jets. Love their defense. Yeah, and, and that's the reason I'm on them too. It's a Jets sweep in uh, this one uh, uh, for the for the podcast. Uh, um, it's a terrible joke. No, I think the the defense is going to keep a minute. The way that Josh Allen has been making mistakes. I think this is one of the better scoring defenses in the NFL, and they're going to take advantage of that. You're not going to need Zach Wilson to go make a play. Uh, you, you can get a couple scores with your defense and your special teams. That's going to be able to cover the seven. And listen, I I, I do see a world where the offense for the for the Bills just unleashes now that uh, now that their offensive coordinator is gone. They just go screw it, slinging it. Stephon Diggs has 220 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Latavius Murray's got two rushing touchdowns. All of that in a world where uh, where the Jets, or the Bills just get unleashed uh, against a good defense, and this just a must win, must win for the Bills. They've got the for the for the teams they're playing up against in the uh, in the rest of the season with a bye mixed in. They've got the at the Eagles, at the Chiefs, uh, Cowboys at home, and and then the the Dolphins in Week 18. Those are the guaranteed playoff teams. And you got the Chargers mixed in uh, into that as well. Um, and we'll see about the Jets, uh, if they can get back in the mix. But those are that's, – that's an unbelievable stretch. Like, you have to win this game if you're Buffalo. So uh, I can see a world where they just kind of unleash and let it go uh, and and, and uh, or, uh, curb stomp the uh, the Jets. Uh, but I'm going to take the points here uh, and, the, and the safe bet with that defense and the mistakes that Josh Allen's been making. So going back and forth on this, I, I do love the Jets defense. I do. But I, I'm I'm gonna stick with what my I mean, it's crazy. The Jets literally have the number one ranked offense a defense and the number 32nd ranked offense. They are literally first and last, which is pretty remarkable. Crazy. Um I I am gonna take the Bills. I, I don't love it. Um I just I I believe in Josh Allen. Like I, at the end of the day. I don't think Josh Allen is the kind of dude that you you bet against. Like I every every player has down years, but I don't see this Bills team falling out of like playoff contention if they can help it. And they know they have this stretch coming up. This is a must win. This is a must win big. Um, I don't think Ken Dorsey has a ton to do in terms of like what it had to do with like the offense being really, really, really good. Like I think he was fine. I think he was a fine offensive coordinator. You remember, dude was a hothead. Remember last year when he slammed his his headset down and like he's an intense dude, maybe having someone like Joe Brady in there calling plays a little bit calmer, a little bit of that new coach medicine. Um, at the end of the day, like I think even going up against a really, really good defense, the Jets still have had a top five offense in the NFL all season. Um, according to PFF, for the number two ranked offense in the NFL, they're going to be able to put up at least 24 points in this game. And I don't see a world where we're seeing the the Jets put up 17 points. Um, even with the banged up Bills defense, that Zach Wilson has been so bad. Um, and ultimately, if 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 we're talking about a big spread like this where you're gonna need a quarterback who can put up points at the last minute, I, I'm not betting on Zach Wilson. So I, I'm taking Buffalo minus minus seven. It's at home, chilly day. I think Buffalo takes the cake here. They need it. And I think they're going to win uh, by at least 10 uh, and, and hopefully kind of put the Jets fans out of their misery. 
All right, we have uh, one more in the late window before the Sunday night game. Seahawks, Rams. The Seahawks are a one-point favorite. The Ram coming off of the bye week. Um, the Rams are interesting because they've been the team. Them and the Cardinals have been the team that I think the most amount of people have lost money on this season because the way the Rams looked week one beating the Seahawks, because of the way they were competitive against the Eagles in like week four, week five, whenever that game was. I think a lot of people looked at the Rams as like they were three and three and three and four. And like, ah, oh, the Rams are kind of frisky. They've been really bad lately. Um, Sean McVay has been really good historically coming off of a bye. I don't think that's going to continue this in this game. Um, to be honest, this is a line that kind of scares you because you're like, why is this only one? The Seahawks are six and three. The Rams are three and six. We saw what happened earlier in the season. The Seahawks are trying to stay stride for stride with uh, San Francisco right now for that division. And they're not far off, you know, and they're going to have their opportunity to go and try to beat San Francisco two and, and two and three weeks. Yeah. So it's like, they're, they're going to have an opportunity moving forward. Seahawks also have the Eagles left on their schedule. I think they have the Cowboys on and their the schedule Ravens and the Ravens. So like the Seahawks have a tough schedule. They need this game. They need to win it big. And the line's only one point. I really like the Seahawks defensively. They're really good. Their secondary is as good as anybody's in football right now. And you're going to match up. I know Pook is good. I know you have Cooper cup, um, Matthew Stafford, like, I'm sorry with how bad his hand was and stuff. I don't think he's going to be held, like fully healthy in time. And there's a reason that they went out and brought in Carson Wentz because they need a body. They need somebody there. Like that tells you a lot about, I think, the health level of um, a guy like uh, Matthew Stafford right now, who when he's been healthy has been really solid for them. But the offensive line for Los Angeles is really bad. They still don't have Kyron Williams back, who outside of Puka has been their best offensive player this season. Um, I think this is Seattle all day, and I'm I'm writing it, marking it down. It's my third lock of the week. I'm taking Seattle minus one on the road. They avenged the loss that they had in week one. They set themselves up Seattle all day. I I would tend to agree with you. The only reason I wouldn't make it a lock is because Seattle's 0-4 when I make them a lock. So screw them, screw their stupid football team. But they do go down to LA and beat the second worst city or the worst city in America. The second worst city in America is going to go down there and beat them uh, pretty bad. Uh, Seattle is going to win this game. I think the the idea that uh, the the defensive line kind of stinks for uh, for the Rams there, uh, but they're going to have to to do something and force. Uh, force blitzes onto uh, to Geno Smith to keep them honest in the run game. That's not been a good recipe this year because he's pretty good against the blitz. Better when you don't blitz him. Uh, it's better for you when you don't blitz him, as we I've alluded to over the past couple of weeks here on the podcast. So uh, the the Rams are going to have to force blitzing uh, on them just to keep the run game honest. And even then, I think they're going to get run all over. Uh, three good wide receivers going up against a, a, a secondary that is depleted at at best. Um, and man, I, I just don't see how Matt Stafford, or even if Carson Wentz does get in the game, how Matt Stafford can get the ball to either Puka or, uh, or Cooper cup with that secondary that Seattle has. I will take Seattle, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking Seattle too. And I'm, I was, I had him as a lock. Obviously, this in the next game, I'm teetering between making it a lock, but uh, the thing about this game, which is crazy, is that, again, um, the defense has been a lot better for Seattle. Bobby Wagner going back up there, just making the calls. Such a good leader, man. And uh, he'll be back down in L.A. for the first time. Should be a cool reception for him. 
um, which is funny because he didn't even play there that long, but everyone loves him, Bobby Wagner. So uh, I'm taking Seattle. Um, I, I Let me reserve the right to come back and make this a lock after we talk about the next game. <laughs> You're really this split on this game? No, I, I, I know they're going to win. I'm just debating whether I make it a lock is what I'm saying. Because mm. we're going to get into the Broncos here and – I'm riding a fucking wave. I was going to say, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> feeling yourself right now. You're feeling exactly. yourself. All right, well, let's get to that game then. We have Sunday night football. The uh, the the two hottest teams in football, some might say. The Minnesota Vikings and the uh, Denver Broncos. The Vikings winners of five consecutive games. Um, shout out to Kevin O'Connell. I realized we didn't talk about this, by the way, on Tuesday. He deserves a shitload of credit. Uh, yeah. I know like last year, like we all like none of us wanted to give him a ton of credit. Not that we didn't want to give him credit, but we didn't want to give Minnesota a ton of credit. They kept winning these weird one score games and they're like, well, why are you concerned? And then they lose to the Giants in the first round of the playoffs. And like, that's why, because you're a good team, but you're not as good as your record says you are. This year, it, the, the script has completely flipped on them. They are the most likable team. They're the team that's gone through this adversity. Everyone liked, turned on, and, and went from hating Kirk Cousins to loving Kirk Cousins to start off the year. He goes down. Everyone feels bad for him. Then they have this unbelievable Josh Dobbs story, back-to-back games. They're going to Denver. Denver, write them off for dead. They get 70 points dropped on them. Sean Payton seems like a disaster. Russell Wilson continued to look like a disaster. Next thing you know, they win – back-to-back games against the Chiefs and the Bills completely unexpectedly, and now the Broncos seem to be riding high. I have zero clue what to do for this game. I don't have a good feel on either team right now, so I could be completely sent one side or the other. Vito, take it away, my friend. Uh, No, it's a good point. and Obviously, everyone knows the Broncos started very, very poorly this year, probably first three or four games, and – you know, I, I think why that's important is because when you talk about where we're ranking and all of this stuff, right? Like we are the 22nd ranked defense in the NFL and we gave up 70 points in there and looked like shit for the first four weeks. So you could really say that we've been a top half, you know, right, right mid, mid tier uh, defense for the last four or five weeks. Um, you know, even when we lost to the, to the chiefs before um, like our first time we played them, it was a 19 to eight game. I trust our offense now to score 20 points. Um, we've been doing it a little consistently there. Uh, I, I personally think that we're going to go out there. Now, here's what's crazy. On the other side, Justin Jefferson might be back, right? I think he can return this week on IR. Yeah, he, was, he was eligible to last yeah. week, yeah. Yeah, so so he's able to. We'll see where he's at. Um, I love Dobbs. I think we're going to struggle containing him if he takes off. That's why I'm worried. Uh, but I just think that – Listen, even if Justin Jefferson comes back, we have Sertan that'll at least at least make it so he doesn't absolutely destroy us every play. Um, and even if he does, it's kind of how we we've been playing for a lot of the year. You know, our first win even against Chicago was a crazy comeback. We beat the, the you know Packers. We barely beat the or we we crushed Chiefs, but that was the flu game. And then beat the Bills. So it's not like we've looked amazing, but I like how Russell looks. I think the defense has improved. We got rid of some problem makers. I'm going to take the Broncos. And again, I think we have enough on the offensive and defensive sides to make a difference. Our lines played very well. Uh, the rotation at running back's been good. Um, I, I just believe in it, especially the, the game that Cortland Sutton finally had. Hopefully Jerry Judy gets going. But again, the you know, our corners that have come up and played and, and replaced some of these other guys have been huge. Um, and I'm going to take Denver at home at night. 
right? This is, this is going to be huge for the Broncos. This is kind of their, okay, we're back game. And if we win this, we're 500. And, and, you know, we finish the season here looking up instead of looking at draft picks. So I'm taking Denver obviously. And uh, I am, I am going to go back and make Seattle a lock. I'm not going to make Denver a lock. Um, I love Josh Dobbs. It's just, it's his legs are going to be the difference. And just trust me, our defense struggles with that. This game's coming down to me as to pick one side of the ball for one of these two teams that you like the best, right? Like what is like Vikings offense versus Denver's defense, Denver's offense versus Vikings defense, like which side of the ball for those, uh, those four do you like the best? And the answer is the Vikings defense. Um, Brian Flores has done a really, really good job over the last couple of weeks. Currently, they're the 12th ranked defense in the NFL, and a lot of that has come on in the last like four or five games since they've been on this big win streak. Ultimately, I think just top to bottom, I like the Vikings roster a little bit more. I I don't like I love the Josh Dobbs story. I still don't trust him, you know, like just like I, you know, Purdy put how many games together and was amazing. And I was like, yeah, I just want to see enough of it before I fully buy in. I haven't seen enough of Josh Dobbs to fully dive, you know, dive into it. Like there's been enough to say that you like it and you want to see him continue to get more opportunities. The Russ thing has been going on for a few years though. And I know he's looked better in the last two games. He's, he's played really good football, but how many, how many passing yards did he have in that game against the chiefs that they won? It was like 95. You know, I just I just look at the results, Jeff. I don't really look at the stats. Uh, yeah, there's shit. there's one stat that matters, right? The win loss win loss column. That's it. No, it was not like even last week. To your point, was not very much downfield. That like it, he he did not have that many throws pushing the ball. Uh, so the question really is, can can they run the football right? Because when the Eagles played they them, been. when the Eagles played against Minnesota, they were able to run the football against them pretty damn good. That was, I believe, that was the DeAndre Swift monster running game it was either that game or the tampa bay game i can't remember um but i do think i do think the vikings as a whole are a slightly better football team and you're gonna get two and a half points here i'm gonna roll with the vikings i this is such a hard game to pick right now um i will say the vikings are six three and one against the spread uh whereas the broncos are three five and one so I know the Broncos have been playing good football, but the idea of taking the Broncos as a favorite, even at two and a half, I don't love. So I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings here plus two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a close game, a big one for the Broncos who are trying to fight back in prime time. Uh, The story of Josh Dobbs is great. It's phenomenal. Uh, I I think it continues throughout the year, uh, but it won't continue on Sunday night. For Russell Wilson, who owns the Minnesota Vikings, six and one record all time against them, make it seven and one. The Broncos roll in this game. And how those seven games were they all with Seattle? Who cares? It's Russell Wilson. I don't think we played him last year. You know, Russell Wilson's been in the league a long time. There's been a lot of different iterations of that offense, but he has historically owned the Vikings. I will agree with you there. All right. That leads us to Monday Night Football, the main event of the weekend, the Super Bowl rematch between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home in this game, both teams coming off the bye. We know how good, historically, Andy Reid is coming off of a bye. 
I was really hoping when the schedule came out, knowing we were going to have to play Kansas City this year, that uh, we would not have to play them off of the bye week. But uh, that didn't happen. So this is a tough one, boys. This is a tough one to try to figure out. I'm extremely excited. I think it's going to be a really, really fun football game. Um, and I'll say right now, I am leaning on leaning towards taking the, the Eagles in this game. Um, as, as a wow. whole, as that a whole, doomed, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the Eagles can do a good, cause the strength of the chiefs team this year has been the defense, right? And Bradbury has taken a step back. The, uh, Slay has taken a step back, right? Like overall, um, they have not been nearly as, as good as they have been in the past, but going up against this wide receiver room, you're a little bit less worried about it. Um, Travis Kelsey will be an issue, but we've seen teams this year do a really, really good job of taking Travis Kelsey out of the game using bracket coverage and basically forcing Mahomes to beat you through, uh, you know, the running game and or dishing the ball out to his wide receivers. And he has struggled to be able to do that this year. I'm fully expecting the Chiefs to come in with a totally different looking offense in this game. Like it's just coming off of a bye week. Andy Reid's probably going to install an entirely new offensive scheme that's going to make Rasheed Rice look like fucking Jerry Rice. But Both trick plays. <laughs> yeah, that's a good count. That was a funny exactly. joke. I walked yeah, all was, over it. I'm I was going to say, no, you're good. I was going <laughs> to channel my inner Scotty on that one. Um, but I do think <laughs> the, Eagles, the Eagles have been the number one run defense in the NFL this year. I think they're going to make sure that Pacheco doesn't beat them. Uh, and ultimately, I think they're going to be able to generate a lot of pressure because the offensive line for Kansas City, the in- interior is really good, but they're going to have their handful with uh, Jalen Carter, who has statistically and in terms of grade-wise been the number one interior defensive lineman in football this year. Him and Aaron Donald and Dexter Lawrence have kind of been playing hot, hot potato with that as well. Um, but it's the outside guys. It's Hassan Reddick. It's Josh Sweat, who Josh Sweat has more pressure, as number one in the NFL right now, or at least going into the bye week last week. Uh, was number one in the NFL in pressures, right? So he's generating a ton of pressure towards the quarterback. Mahomes, you know, likes to hold on to the football, try to extend plays. The Eagles are going to be able to get after the quarterback with how poor, you know, Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor have been bad on the outside tackle positions for Kansas City. So I think the Eagles are going to be able to put pressure on Mahomes. And on the other side of the ball, it's how does this Eagles offense look? I think Jalen needed a couple weeks, man. I think he needed this time to get his knee in better position. I still don't think you're going to see a super mobile Jalen. I think it's going to look better. The good news is, is at the very little information that has come out about it, it's all been directly tied to like a knee bruise, right? It's not like ligament damage. It's not a sprain. It's 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 a bruise, which is a total pain management thing, which is why he's been able to do this. But look, the games since he's gotten hurt have been the best games he's played all season because it's forced him to sit in the pocket and dish out the ball, right? It's forced him to be a pocket passer and to basically say like, hey, look, last year with Shane Steichen, we could do a million different things. It's too much for Brian Johnson. So Jalen's limited with running the football. Cool. Let's focus in on what we can do. Let's scheme up plays where we're going to have more open wide receivers, easier throws for Jalen, and then we can try to take the top off with AJ and Devontae. Obviously no Dallas Goddard in this game. That's a huge loss for them. Uh, is Grant back? He's questionable as of now. I don't know Correct. if you have any updates. Nothing really. They granted yet, him permission. So he he is going to be traveling um, there. I, I hope he suits up. I hope he gets to play. I think I, you know. Only I'm just expecting kind of him to be able to. Albert O's there. He's there. Jack Stoll. I think we'll see all of them at some point in the game. Yeah. Um, 
And to your point, what's crazy is they use two tight end, three tight end sets. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if all those guys get 20, 30 snaps. Um, and, and you know, what's going to be awesome is uh, to your point, like this, this Kansas city defense has been pretty good, but I I'm, I'm going up and down right now. They haven't faced an offense like this. I mean, they faced the dolphins last week, but they did not look like the dolphins. Um, yeah. They had the Lions in week one and they lost. So I want to see how this goes on. Uh, I think the Eagles will be the best offense they face. But to your point, Eagles offense hasn't been their best. Um, you know, one thing, like you said, Andy Reid off of a bye week, 87% winning percentage. He's uh, 27 and four. Wow. Make it 27 and five, even though they're at home. Travis Kelsey went all the way down to Buenos Aires to be with Taylor Swift. That's a long flight there and back. Exciting, but. Uh, that's the, there's been a lot of travel on their bye week. Same, I mean, honestly, um, same with the Eagles, right? Are they both coming off buys, right? Yes. So a little bit different situation than normal. That's why I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Eagles, and I think it goes back to the Super Bowl. And listen, man, you can say all you want, but this means probably a little more to the Eagles than it does to the Chiefs. Um, maybe not, but either way, I'm going to take the Birds, and uh, and that's who I'm going with. Yeah, go ahead, me too. Me too. It's uh, it, and it comes down to me on offense. Not only, uh, the the Chiefs' defense has been really good in the passing game. So I think that there's an opportunity to limit AJ Brown and Devontae and the boys. Um, but where I think the Eagles have a lot of success and have the advantage in this is that Kansas City allows the sixth highest yards per handoff. Uh, that's four and a half yards uh, per carry that the Kansas City defense allows. The Chiefs are 31st in run-stop win rate, and they're going up against the Eagles' offensive line, who has the best run-block win rate in the NFL, best overall offensive line, I think, in the league. I think you're going to be able to run the ball with more success than you've seen for most of this year. I think DeAndre Swift is is due for a big one, um, especially getting in the end zone. Uh, but you've got Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott there, too, who can, who can do some damage out of the backfield. I think this is a good game for the offensive line that – in in a game like this where you encourage the run almost, uh, it, it's good to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, right? So I think that's the key because what happened in the Super Bowl, right? You give you give one extra possession away, and then all of a sudden you you find yourself in the fourth quarter with Mahomes with the ball in his hand, which is not where you want to be. No, eliminate that situation entirely. Run the shit out of the ball, pound it down their throat, which I think the Eagles are going to be able to do with good success, and that's why I think they're going to win this game. And yeah. you can lock that up. Oh, wow. Last lock of the week from Scott. Kiss of death, as it were. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the Eagles got Cam Jurgens back in this game, which is really big. The offensive line and the run blocking in particular was nowhere near as good uh, when Cam Jurgens left the lineup than, uh, you know, versus when he was there for the first four games of the season. He is now back. He is healthy. Uh, I do expect DeAndre because there's a direct correlation between DeAndre Swift and the rushing game as a whole, the success that they had from when Cam Jurgens was in to when he was out. So getting him back is going to be really, really big. Losing Goddard sucks, but I'm really curious to see how they find that third receiving option, right? Uh, DeAndre Swift has over 30 receptions so far this season. Uh, you go out and get a guy like Julio Jones who can give you 15 to 20 snaps and can run very similar route concepts to what they do with Goddard because of his size. Uh, because of the mismatch that it has with linebackers and certain things who I wouldn't be surprised. They do run that the number one uh, set that they run is 11 personnel. So they typically do run uh, one tight end, one running back, three wide receivers. 
However, they do like to mix it up and they like to bring in multiple tight end sets, right? They like to run 21 and 31 personnel to give themselves the opportunity to, to use guys like Jack Stoll in the blocking game. I would not be surprised at all if we see certain formations where you have Jack Stoll out there and Julio Jones is your third wide receiver. Um, I also think it's very possible that you see situations where, you know, Julio Jones is the quote unquote tight end and they bring out, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus and technically they're in a four wide receiver set. But they're using Julio Jones in the same way they would use Dallas. They have two weeks to come up with this. I think it's going to be really good. Nick Bolton on IR. He's the best linebacker for Kansas City. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to have Jason Kelsey and, uh, you know, Landon Dickerson to, and, and Cam Jurgens to go up against Chris Jones, which there is no good matchup against Chris Jones. But if I'm going to take anybody, I'm going to take that group from Philly up front. And the rest of that pass rush doesn't scare me quite as much. But ultimately, Vito, I think you hit it on the head, which is that like the one thing I love about this Eagles team is they are and Jalen, too, is no game is bigger than any other one. Right. It's you go up, you do your job, you win the game, you move on to the next winning is the main thing. Keep keep winning the main thing. But when you lose to a team in the Super Bowl, there is a certain level of of intensity that comes in, just like when you play Dallas. Right. When you play when you're big rivals, they want this one. No well, fucking geez. question about it. They There will be an extra level of pop. As long as they keep it under control, they don't get any stupid penalties, right? Um, and, like and a they, holding? They, or... Yeah, and well, shut up. And they, they play within their scheme. I do think the Eagles go on to win this game. So I'm going to take the Eagles plus two and a half. Um, PFF actually has this as Eagles plus one and a half, so an entire point off from where the rest of uh, the market seems to be laying the Eagles at plus two and a half. I just I, I do think the Eagles are a better football team right now. Um, but we'll see. It's Andy Reid, man. I mean, like you said, it was 87 percent, 27 and four off the bye. I mean, that is unbelievable. <laughs> that is a that is a fucking ridiculous statistic. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. They're going to have a lot for us. I think we're in store for a really, really awesome, fun Monday night football game. That will be the perfect bookend to an awesome Thursday night game that we have tonight. So one one thing real quick. Nick yeah. Sirianni's two and oh after the bye. He's undefeated. It, the Eagles have been very good. If you include the off. if you include the bye week of the NFC champion or the bye week from the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, three and And this well, the Super Bowl, three and one. Okay. Technically. Okay. If you consider the two weeks between that a bye, but uh, two weeks of preparation, uh, Nick Sirianni is three and one. So pretty damn good himself. Pretty damn good himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Reid, obviously, though, is is one of the best of all time. And I think we're in store for a really awesome, awesome Monday night football game. So that being said, that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we will be back on Tuesday, hopefully celebrating uh, a Broncos, Eagles and Niners win across the board. And uh, hopefully having a bunch of fun with that, uh, with some good games over the weekend. So uh, everyone have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Have fun. May your bets win, all that good stuff. And we will talk to you guys on Tuesday. And until then, take it easy, everybody.